Listen up. The American Heart Association recently announced that coconut oil is bad for you. I'm a little angry that it took them this long to tell us. Before I found out, I was so misinformed that I spent years accidentally being healthy from eating coconut oil. I feel like an idiot. But I appreciate the American Heart Association for telling me I was mistaken all this time. And um, I've been through, been through the, through a lot of different styles of eating, but the one that ended up sticking for me was the ketogenic diet. And the main reason I like it is just because it makes my brain feel. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. We are going to be chatting with Tristan Haggard from Primal Edge Health a little bit later, all the way down in Ecuador, and his wife pops in a little bit from time to time. Uh, we're basically talking about a lot of ke- ketogenic diet and uh, health and things like that. Yeah, it's a good one. You should enjoy that. But uh, first, as always, the one and only Ramalama Ding Dong Dunlop. How's <laughs> hey, it going, buddy? I'm good. How you doing? Good. Yeah, what a great chat with uh, Tristan coming up here. Talk about the whole American Heart Association thing with the you know demonizing coconut oil, and we get into I don't know our culture of health and some of the things to do. The daily biohacks and the dietary changes and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he's going to actually send me over that meal plan. I'm going to try it out. Yeah, I printed it up, actually. You got yeah, it already? Yeah, I got it. You didn't forward it to me, you fuck? No, we're going to try. I think I, I'm going to try. I don't know if I'm going to go there fully, but there's a bunch of people at work doing it as well. Like, it's very interesting. It's uh, it's all over the place now. It seems I'm to waiting be. for restaurants to start cooking keto-friendly diets. Like, <clears throat> I don't know of too many that are doing yeah, that. It's yeah, it's coming. Yeah, it's, it's coming. coming. It'll be the new wave. Yeah. See how it goes. Yeah. I'll give it a whirl. I haven't tried any of the other ways. Someone's telling me that Atkins died of a massive heart attack. No, that's all bullshit. Oh, I talked, yeah. I'm, where did we talk to you? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I talked to Scott him about that. that. Was telling me that. I know. So, it's yeah. all, it's all, it was, it was something else. That he died of? Yeah. Not a massive heart attack. Wasn't that's it in that. this episode that we talked about it? I think it was. Could be. Yeah. yeah could be. You weren't there. Were you there? I was there. <laughs> where the fuck would I be? <laughs> I don't know, but so last time we had a guest host, Ponzi emailed me and asked if uh, we were phasing in a replacement. You know what it was? It was when Michael first started coming around. Oh, okay. A couple of people thought maybe I was phasing you're out. You're phasing out. Training, you're training, training people. my replacements. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you guys aren't going to get rid of me that easy. Without me around, it would just be too crazy around here. That's right. <laughs> too many beliefs going on. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be all bouncing off the walls. We'd be banned from a couple places. C Seti and. Oh, yeah. He so, said he shut the fuck down. So, uh. Greer's finally got it. Two out of line. What do I want to say about that other thing? See, I'm having a real bad time mem- remembering things right now. Just in tonight in the Have England. you been on the wheat? No. No, I haven't. Didn't I just watch you fucking hammer down a burger? That was without a bun. What'd you do with the bun? I ordered it without one. They gave it a lettuce wrap instead. Did you know AW does that? No. Yeah. Huh. How was it? Messy. Yeah. And loud. Yeah. Yeah. That's too bad. No, but what was I going to say about that? Oh, about the What the Health movie. So, that, you know, the guy that you were talking about who heard that Atkins guy had a heart attack, <clears throat> that What the Health is that it's a total vegan propaganda thing, right? I mean, not that I'm it, all for the factory farming and all that, but they still demonize um, saturated fats and 
and uh, the wrong the wrong stuff, right? Yeah, I feel like they're like twenty years old in there. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I shouldn't really comment much. But I I hear it's pretty bad. It's tough to even find that shit these days. You know, what's it? The um. I lost my train of thought. Yeah, we're both having a, a tough day. It's hard to find. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the saturated fats or the old... Oh, it's hard to find a good food doc that I can trust. That's the one. Oh, where... doctor? Documentary. Oh, documentary. Information on food is fucking hard, man. Yeah, totally. Like, there's so I much. Find, I can find, a, uh, find my bearings on most other things. And I mean, whether I'm right or wrong or none of the above is indifferent i can usually just come to my own conclusions but with food it's just tough it's constantly changing totally yeah there's so much shit out there that it's fucking hard to decide what's where we're at there's even the plant dilemma now where the plants are are, are, they're showing all these scientific evidence about the plants releasing a chemical right that's dangerous to us like a poison lectin or whatever it is starting to release there's a bunch of them no there's just the science that you know the people are talking about it more now there's a bunch of you know, plants, so it's not as easy to be a vegan either because you're also taking in this poison from the plants that's releasing it. Uh, oh. You know, it's... They're showing, like, if you eat a side of a plant, the other side of the plant is releasing this toxin. It knows it's being eaten. Even after you cut it down? Well, I don't know if, if you're killed at first. Huh, you know, you wonder if these things will adapt to fucking... Then what? we're stuck with what GMO? I know what are we? Yeah, what are we stuck with? Right, growing like, meat. No, I mean we're stuck with proper organic. You know what it is? It's asking your food, and you know it's intentionally praying to your food before you eat it, like the whole water thing. Maybe that's and then what it the is. Plants like all right. The mom. plants like okay. I know this is for a higher purpose. I'll let you. So you're assuming you're a higher purpose than the plants. You're yeah. just, you're just like the vegans. You think you're better than fucking plants. Well, well, I mean, it's organic farming or like humanely, humanely, most of the people on the planet, humanely raised uh, eat you know meat and eggs and stuff, you know, and and vegetables. Maybe vegetables that don't release. I mean, I don't know where does it go from here. All side, it seems grow like your own food. You know, maybe, yeah, grow your own food with that intention, right? Yeah. You could grow in fucking a sustainable lettuce and way, spinach in a sustainable in way, right? Yeah. Maybe. Start growing your own food, motherfuckers. Well, that's actually what Tristan talks about a lot is the communities, right? Building that community. Can't all be Stop online, right? right so much. Go to your farmer's Stop market. It. Okay. Okay. I'll try. I need a jingle to shut ground down from saying right. It's happening in my daily life, too. And it says wrong. It's right happening wrong. in my daily life. Right. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> I, okay, I recognize it. Okay. I'm trying. I'll just keep calling you on it. Okay. I think that's the first word that's creeped in on the show. I mean, I say as always all the time, but that's kind of part of the shtick now. Yeah, that's 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 yeah. that's no problem. That's the intro. So if you guys, if we have any words that we're saying too much, you guys got to let us know so we can try and correct. Them. At the beginning, we need was, to try um, and fucking um, course correct. Actually, you know what? I got right from Tristan. Oh, stop! It. I think I did. Think so? I think so. You asked me, you said, where did you get it from? I did ask. And then it's not I started someplace noticing. I'm not getting it. So it's something you're doing that I'm not. Exactly. And there you go. Uh, Primal edge. What the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? It broke the gate. Your gas broke the gate. Wow. That's <laughs> never happened before. So anyways. Uh, Is there fire in I here? got an email. <laughs> <laughs> I got an email today that the C-SETI YouTube channel was shut down. 
Yeah, I noticed that yesterday. And I actually went there and it says... Did you notice that yesterday? Yeah, I'm going to go there right now. No, but you can't rely on it. It doesn't... It's just a Reddit... It's a Reddit conspiracy. No, I went there. Well, through the Reddit link or you went there on your own? Because you can't get there on your own through YouTube. Can't you? No. No, it's all other channels. So like, this could just be somebody making it up. There might not even be a C-City YouTube channel. I think it's a troll. Oh, that would be pretty funny. Huh. Anyway, C-City's that organization, just for people that aren't aware that... Um, Did you actually search through YouTube or just Google? No, I searched through YouTube as well. You know, I have trouble trusting you on anything technical. The Center for Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence. It's been going for over 20 years, and there's a lot of controversy over it, but people go out on their own to make contact. I search only channels. I was thinking about going out this weekend when you're away at the eclipse. See, said Chanel. No, right. see, it's not there. It doesn't it's seem a, like it's a troll. Yeah. yeah, maybe it is just a troll. Somebody on Rabbit. 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 Ribbit. <laughs> Fucking bastard. A Reddit troll. You want me to That's get That's too bad because they really should shut him down. Who's serious disclosure? Well, that's the same guy, but it's a different channel. I found that one too. Well, that channel still works. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Anyway. So speaking of that, should I get into a couple local UFO uh, sightings from people, listeners that, or um, friends that email in? Sure. Is that going to count as a quote? No. No? No, I have a quote as well. And now another edition of the Grime American Goodies by the people. Uh, this is from Brian. He says, I want to share what was seen in Medicine Hat last night from my backyard. We did see the ISS and a full dozen of other satellites. So they're keeping track of the satellites. Nice. At about 11-ish, about 40 degrees south of the Big Dipper, a ball of light appeared traveling north towards the bucket of the Big Dipper. The light warmly got brighter, but not as bright as Jupiter. And it, as this light faded out, another one faded into view. Just the same way the first one did and a little to the right. It lasted just as long as the first. This one faded out and a third appeared. This one's location as it came into view completed the three points of a triangle. Three of us witnessed this new configuration, or it was new to me. And he's saying, uh, my report of CE5 events in Medicine Hat, May 28th, 2017. Cool indeed, and I had to share this with you. With you. Oh, he was C-setting too? I think so. Huh. Well, he calls it a CE5, but... Isn't that the same thing? Not necessarily. You could get a CE5 without being in the... You guys could meet up in, like, Brooks. Yeah. Talk about the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, well, that's where I'd... I'd rather go where I went last time. Why would you want to go to the same spot? (sighs) Why would you switch anything up when you had such an amazing night? Well, you need to add variables. Here's another one from a local. Okay. This is from Marcel. Hey, Graham, I had a sighting this morning, too. Felt called to my roof five minutes after I saw what I report below. Today, 5.30 or 4.30 a.m. Today? Well, this was a few days ago, August 6th. It was two flying objects flying south. Oh, let me know if if this rings a bell for you. Don't point at me, you son of a bitch. 
It was two flying objects flying south of Canyon Meadows in Calgary, Alberta. They looked approximately 12 to 20 feet in size and approximately 300 to 500 feet above the city. Shape was hard to make out and describe, but was bulky and not very aerodynamic. Metallic appearance. More like a cube with other parts sticking out from it. Dead silent. They flew parallel to each other, and the distance between both decreased slightly. I would say they went faster than a fighter jet. I had a similar sighting one year ago where the objects were light blue balls of light, similar and silent flight pattern. That was an exciting start of a day. No kidding. What are you doing up so early? Well, he's called called oh. to the roof of his house. Didn't Michael have a sighting like that? And he was sort of a similar location, like southwest of Calgary. And didn't he see two boxes or didn't? I don't know. Let us know, Mike. Yeah. Don't text us. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh. Yeah, interesting. Local boys. Yeah. So thanks for the emails. Fuck yeah. There was another local. There's a lot of local people. Sometimes it just seems weird. I wonder yeah. if it's because of the Google algos. What do you mean by that? That it displays your local or content first, so we're sneaking up the list and people search things. Well, one of them wasn't from a listener. Oh, it was just a friend? Yeah. Oh. Uh, an do acquaint- I know acquaintance him? through the... Acquaintance? Acquaintance through the community. Acquaintance. Want to try one more time? No. Okay. Uh, that's good. Thanks for writing in, guys. Thanks for seeing UFOs at times that I don't want to be awake. You want to uh, stick with that? I was going to go with the Palladian. I wanted to watch the, or what was it? It wasn't the Palladian. That's the, uh, did you watch any of the Perseus? No. Uh, no. No, I no. couldn't. But I do want to go out this weekend because there's a new moon, nice and dark. It'll be before the eclipse, the last Saturday before the eclipse. What's so funny? <laughs> Whenever you say new moon, now it's going to be new moon, dark sky. <laughs> it's going to be hard to get over that. It'll be made into a jingle soon enough. It already is a jingle. Do you want the UFO quote then? Yes. Acoustic or original? Original. Down in Graham, going deep. Oops, I didn't mean to do that. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Words to ponder and critique. I thought this was kind of appropriate for Tristan. I don't know, because he's, he does have quite a conspiratorial mind about corporations and the government and what we're up against as far as health and wellness goes. This is the quote. I shall be very glad to accept appointment as a member of the NICAP. What's an NICAP? Board of Governors. Oh, you would have to ask me, eh? You don't know? I can't remember. It's terrible. You thought I was just going to let you blast right through that? Would you look it up for me quickly? And How do you spell it? N-I-C-A-P? Official NICAP website. I should, you know, I should have tried the to guess international, it. International, uh, I don't get National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. Right. Come on, man. You got to know this shit, Dunlop. Red Pill Junkie's going to be oh. disappointed in me. About fucking... 10,000 people are fucking like throwing things out their iPod right now. 
Anyways, he's glad to accept the appointment as a member of NICAP Board of Governors and be listed as a believer in the reality of UFOs. With the understanding that I shall resign if it appears at any time that your big group is being used to cover up for the top brass. I know there is a real need to break through the official Washington brush off and get to the truth home to the people. There seems to be a great fear among the powers that be that the American people will panic if told the truth. How little they know and understand their countrymen. I feel that millions of our people already believe in the reality of the UFOs. And that's for from Admiral M. Herbert B. Knowles, the U.S. Navy. Herbert B. Knowles? Yeah. Herbert B. Knowles? Yeah. I like it. What else you got? Oh, wait, I was going to do this. Okay, there we go. (laughs) We had the new moon, dark sky, which is great. (laughs) Had a plan, camping, pitched a tent, went back there for the night. Crystal clear. Darkest night. So I had to read that meditation, did the singing bowl, and that shit starts happening. Pow, pow, pow. We started seeing flashbulbs. Okay, okay. Streakers coming down. Grim them up. Is the T-Seti star. Grim them up. Every time you say new moon now, it's going to trigger me. Ah, what do you think? I want a jingle like that. That probably wouldn't be hard. Probably not. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. Someone could probably make a song out of me saying fuck. Yeah. You got any synchros? No, not, no, no like synchros. Duly harsh. No, no synchros. Oh, but what else do we want to talk about in this intro quickly here? Oh, well, we do should some... talk about uh, that. Uh, oh, if I know. you haven't already started watching, I'd mentioned to watch those Vax docs are out. If you want to get, it's the most, uh, the biggest. It's the most info packed into an easy to digest format I've come across. And that's, I think it's seven days in a row starting, uh, this will come up Friday. So starting yesterday. And for Actually, people maybe that are I'll scared, just drop this Thursday. And for people that are scared about the vaccine stuff, this is not the sort of extreme conspiracies, is it? It's pretty much science. It's based on science and stuff. And, yeah. And uh, it's kind of, it's, it's pretty neutral. I mean, it's slanted definitely to the anti side, but it's yeah. got a lot of pro people on there and a lot of people that are still doing a lot of vaccines, just not all of them, or maybe they're slowing down the schedule, but it's, yeah, the common thread they have is most of them see that there is, you know, it's a little bit aggressive. It's excessive. Yeah. It's, yeah, or it's getting aggressive if nothing else. Right. So you can check that out. The link's in the show notes. So like I say, uh, maybe this will probably come up Thursday this week anyway, because I'm leaving Friday right after work. So it'll be edited. So I'll probably just drop it. This is the last Put show before the eclipse, right? extra pressure on fucking Dunlap. Get the notes to me for Thursday. And nap. Ooh, better text him. Yeah. Um, yeah. What so else? last show before the eclipse, you're going down to see the eclipse. We had a yeah, lot of good feedback. you guys are to this, I'm probably uh, already in the USA, somewhere between here and the States. I'm going to stay in BC the first night. Oh, really? Yeah, because we're going to the amusement park. So I want to oh, get there okay. early. So okay, I'm going to yeah. knock four yeah. and a half hours of driving out first day. That's a good idea. Yeah. Huh. Hammer down, 4,500 yeah. kilometers. So then, send some karma. They say it makes me a little nervous. We're going to, but there's a million people descending on Oregon, they're saying. so. Really? I mean, yeah, I'll be pretty well supplied. Like I'm going to bring, I got two of those, my big 18 liter jugs of water under the stairs for my thing. So I'm just going to throw them in the... You know, I got so much room now, so I'll throw them in the back of the truck just to have them, just in case. And then before we leave, uh, before we leave Northern Washington, I think we'll just fill up the coolers because we're camping for a couple of days right after anyway. So we need the food. So I think I'm just going to get it early just in case. Are you going to take your bumper sticker off? 
your free speech equals hate speech bumper sticker or free speech leaves room for hate speech bumper sticker? Well, I don't have one. I'm just kidding. That would be trouble. You leave your signs at home? I'm, no, I'm going in the fucking Pacific Northwest. I will be minding my P's and Q's. I'll take the Grand America's magnet off my truck for the border. Yeah, you should. But then I'll put it back on. Yeah. So it'll be good. So yeah, last show before the eclipse. Um, that was a good episode, last episode, with Irliana Samsara. Samsara. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we got a lot of great feedback. So yeah, that'd be good, good feedback. Yeah. Some people are going to go meet her. Shout and, out to Michael's talk. already on his way down. He left today. Yeah. He's heading down, so I'm sure a lot of people are getting ready for the eclipse travels. I know Adam's doing some driving, and... And Grimstake and James Cruz. I don't know if I don't know if James Cruz is going to know Grimstake and Adam. I think are meeting up. That's awesome. Yeah, so, lots of love being had. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people meeting up. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> got to be a better way to say that. Um, so yeah, it should be good. We're gonna have Grand Americans all over the place uh, run into the eclipse. So send in your pics, send in your stories. You know what we should do is maybe uh, in September sometime we can get all the people that view the eclipse together and we can have a show and just kind of. Get everyone's sort of take on it, or everyone could leave their take on the voicemail, Grammarica or speakpipe.com slash Grammarica. Yeah, or uh, or it might end up just being anticlimactic and it kind of leaves everybody's consciousness and that's it, it just twiddles out into nothing. Nobody might want to talk about it. Yeah, that's probably what'll happen. Kind of like C SETI. <laughs> <laughs> so, another way to spread the show this is a challenge. We should actually make this a little marketing initiative. Well, we could always, that's what I was going to say. If we can come up with a marketing initiative, we can do, we've got enough cool, there's enough stuff in that Redbubble store. We could set someone up with a nice little package. So, so here's the deal. If you're on a train or you're in a public place, you can, depending on what kind of podcast app you have, and I think, only, only I think this only you works if you're on iPhone. iPhone. So but, half year out. Yeah. But depending on what kind of podcast app you have, you can airdrop this to whoever's on your Wi-Fi network. I think that's how it works, right? So just, you could airdrop the show. Yeah, and we, a did, bunch of strangers. we did get this idea from No Agenda. Yeah, it goes we out We steal to... a lot of ideas from No Agenda. Yeah. Life for value, blah, blah, blah. But it's all They were talking about dick pics, so you don't want to be, you know, well, they went from that. dick pics to their show. Oh, right. Yeah. And we're oh, they did to. mention the show. It's a great idea. So, I mean, if you listen to No Agenda, share them too. But uh, we're going to take that one from them. I think now, I think since we're nights, we're allowed. So it shows up whoever's on your Wi-Fi network? Is that what shows up? Whoever's got airdrop no, activated? And... Yeah, it's anyone who's got... So if you just kind of... Go to the episode, go to share like you normally would, and then just have your airdrop open. And anyone, if you're on everyone, then anyone who's got airdrop is just going to start popping up on there. So anyone who's got everyone, you just click that, and they don't have to accept it, but it's going to pop up with the logo, which is catchy as fuck, thanks to RPJ, and it's going to say it's a podcast. So you know, you might catch some people, and I think it's relatively confrontation free hopefully yeah. you don't get beat up if you get beat up sorry but we'll you shouldn't it. it's not a dick pic don't send dick pics that might get you beat up yeah but if you just airdrop you're walking around boom you just have it ready to go and as people come up they're going to pop up on your screen you just click keep on walking maybe try and catch some reactions and then we can yeah we'll talk about now those. that's going to get you beat up <laughs> yeah don't don't tape reactions that could be trouble. I was going to do a social media jangle, but maybe I'll save that now. Yeah, save, save that one. Um, yeah, we could uh, get into our support. You how to support the show. Me do what? The support No, no, no. You got, it all, you got it all ready to go. I'm not in an articulate way right now. You're never in an articulate way. Anyway, guys, check out uh, 
drivemerica.ca slash support. We do really need and, uh, and, uh, cherish your support. Uh, there is a very few of you that do support the show. There's a few more now that we've done the, started doing the bonus content for the people that do, but still not as much as we kind of expected. We're calling it our black budget our black support budget feed, right? support feed. And yep. Any, any donation gets you that. Yeah. Any donation. We've given it out to a bunch of people, any subscription, any donation, but if you can, guys, if you do get some value for the show, uh, we have put out, you know, well over 200 of these things and we don't see any end in sight, all for free, all the back catalogs for free. And it's always going to be that way. We're always going to give you guys your, you know, 60 shows a year for free, 50 to 60 shows a year for free. And then you'll get some bonus content too, if you support the show. And I mean, even without the bonus content, we do appreciate the support. There's a bunch of people that are supporting us before we were even doing that. How many episodes are in there now? Uh, Probably eight, eight or nine. Yeah. Eight, and so eight, yeah. another one's going to go in and when Darren gets back from uh, his eclipse vacation. And... Yeah. And then we got a couple lined up for October. So September. September. So it should be, should get going here, get off the ground. So yeah, if you can sign up for a monthly, anything from a buck a month to 30 bucks a month, guys, uh, if you can, it really helps us around here. We want to do more things and start expanding. And, you know, there's a bunch of, we got a bunch of ideas and they, like everything in life, require a budget. So uh, the more you that can support the show, the more we can start doing interesting, fun things. Like uh, we'll be able to get all this video of the eclipse. Hopefully that all works out. I'll have a bunch of video of the eclipse. Mm-hmm. I mean, a bunch of other people will too, but yours will be American. Kind of <laughs> special. So yeah, support the show if you can, guys. We really do appreciate it and we really do need it. Um, yeah, we took the vow of poverty. We're sticking to it. Yeah, I think that's about it. Review the show, share the show, spam, gram. Yeah, send me your UFO sightings, your synchronicities, your trip reports, your lucid dreams, all that good stuff. We got a couple yeah. great episodes that I can incorporate media. some of those uh, some of those emails into for sure. Yeah. Tell your friends about this motherfucker, guys. We really do appreciate it, and we really do appreciate the people who take the time to write in and support the show. I think that's about all we're going to do. We did go for almost two hours with uh, Tristan a good one you guys should uh, really enjoy it yeah enjoy the chat with uh, mr tristan hager Tonight we've got Tristan Haggard with us. He's from Primal Edge Health. Uh, his wife and, and Tristan um, have a coaching business, and they've written a book, uh, the Keto uh, Ketonic Edge. No, Ketonic. Oh my God, Ketogenic Edge. <laughs> Ketogenic Edge Cookbook. Um, yeah, you guys have a podcast. It's a great podcast. I've been listening to it, and you kind of do it a little differently. You've got a YouTube um, like hangout type thing going on where you answer a bunch of questions. Anyways, I've been following this for a while and, and your show 
uh, since I've been sort of getting deeper into health and wellness. And it's great to have you on to talk about all this stuff. Thanks. Well, it's, it's really great to be on. And I think it's cool. It's a real serendipity because uh, I have most definitely heard you guys podcast before. Uh, I'm a huge fan of podcasts, of YouTube, of independent media in general. And yeah, I mean, you guys, I listened to Jay Dyer on your show recently. I've heard Randall Carlson come on several times. And um, I, I like how you guys direct the conversation and keep it flowing. So right on, I'm glad buddy. to be on. Yeah, I like I like your show too. How you you always keep things in context, right? Like you're not you don't have a lot of black and white advice. You're like always stepping back and putting things into context. And and I'm surprised at how going down this sort of more of a path towards like you know better health and wellness. And I don't know if biohacking is the right word for it or not, but I realized that that community overlaps quite a bit with the stuff that we talk about here. There's a com there's a couple commonalities there. Well, it's actually it's really funny, man. It's like. All right. So before I got really into uh, really into this project that we're doing now, which you know we call Primal Edge Health, we've got a website and a YouTube channel, and like you're saying, we do a lot of live hangouts. And um, I, I don't know, I, just, I enjoy video content, and I enjoy the format. But what's interesting is before before this, um, you know, my, just so much of my time and so much of my interest has gone into studying history, studying anthropology, um, politics, human just the human condition in general. And, um, that's actually kind of what led me in certain regards to, uh, really trying to take control of my health and, you know, kind of take it into my own hands and make my body work for me rather than against me. Um, because <laughs> I mean, you know, when you start looking into these things, you realize you, the, the deeper you go, the more you realize how really backwards the entire health structure of our society is, you know, from the very, basic stuff like diet um you know childhood vaccines with mercury i mean massive amounts of fluoride in the water which neurotoxic and you know, I mean, it's just there's so much going on there's an onslaught from so many different directions that are negatively affecting our health um and shoot i mean one of the most one of the most empowering things that we can do in this day and age is take control of our health you know i mean it, it's I, I don't know it sounds like it kind of sounds ridiculous, but um, I don't know. It's just to, to me, like it, it seems like the biggest act of uh, of rebellion nowadays is just thriving, right? To be able to live and thrive and function well and have a healthy, happy life. Like that's what the whole, whatever you want to call it, um, political spiritual system is is um, it's all about, right? It's about that pressure that is. Um, you know, kind of creating this this brilliant, um, I don't know, this brilliant reaction from us as uh, as human beings as we take control of our health and try and try and steer this ship in a better direction. So, uh, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, it goes really deep, right? From the food that we that we sort of were advertised to buy in the in the grocery store, all the fake food that you know, it's not even real food. You know, you hear about. Subway's chicken being 50% real chicken when you think Subway was the healthy place to eat before, you know, and then you get into like Bayer and Monsanto teaming up and I mean, it goes on and on and on. Right. And so I guess that is the, now, the now, that now, is the, some of this stuff. It, yeah. No, it gets, it gets so ridiculous. Like the Bayer and Monsanto thing. I completely forgot about that because it sounds like some shit that would happen in a dream. Yeah. It doesn't even sound like something that should be happening in this reality. I mean, you got Bayer, formerly IG Farben. Everybody knows, well, not everybody, most people know about the history of IG Farben in Germany during World War II. Um, yeah, let's break that Bayer down. Bayer rose out of yeah. ashes from, 
So we have Bayer and Monsanto now joining forces, literally the people that are poisoning our food with glyphosate, which is an antibiotic. And if anybody doesn't know what Roundup and glyphosate are, they are antibiotics that are routinely sprayed like it's freaking candy all over the foods that we eat. And this chelates the soil and binds vital minerals that we need. So you've got glyphosate being sprayed on all the food. Um, shoot, I mean, it's including like, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Like Ben and Jerry's ice cream has glyphosate. Right. I mean, that used to be my, I used to eat two things, two, uh, <laughs> two containers of that shit a night. <laughs> I used to, I used to go, I used to get stoned and just, just eat like two things of Ben and Jerry's and then go to Burger King in the middle of the night and get Whopper Juniors for 99 cents. They had 99 cent Whopper Juniors. I'd get two Whopper Juniors with no pickles and I'd ask them for extra mayonnaise and I'd eat that shit and then I'd go have dessert afterwards again. <laughs> and I'd have like two rounds of freaking Ben and Jerry's. But um, yeah, man, I mean, it's like it, not, not only the, the foods that we're given, not only are they weaponized, but it's like when you really look at it, when you really look at the way that we're treating humans, it's kind of like an assembly line for cattle, you know? I mean, it would literally be tr- being treated like cattle fed a domesticated diet of grain, which is known to correlate with a decreased cranium size, decreased brain size. Um, so I, it, it's just, it, the, the whole thing is ridiculous. And to actually take control of our health can be overwhelming sometimes because then there's a freaking thousand different ways to go about it, right? So you get online, you're like, oh, I'm gonna start eating healthy. Right, I'm gonna start to lose some weight. And you get online and you find like the, the pointless diet battles. Everyone's talking about what's better: is it paleo? Is it a keto diet? Is it vegan? Raw vegan? You know, you've got just so much madness out there. So, you know, what we did with our channel is just kind of try and share what we found works for us um, and help people to, um, you know, to take control. And you know, through the years of studying nutrition, diet, health. Um, We've kind of just come to certain conclusions on uh, on what works right now, and that's what we share on the channel. We try not to be dogmatic or anything. We try to give a nice, balanced um, perspective on all these things and on healthy eating. But really, my credo comes down to something like this, which I'll make up on the spot. Uh, but just trying to focus on nutrient-dense, whole, unrefined, organic foods can massively improve the health of 90% of people out there and will result in fat loss with most people not even trying. Mm-hmm. Now, it might not get them all the way to their goal. You might have to refine it a little bit more as you move along, but simply cutting out the junk food, cutting out the trigger foods and cutting out this shit that we call food that we shove down our face, this corporate mass-produced you know, industrial waste diet, if we can substitute that with nutrient-dense, whole, unrefined foods, foods that don't have a label with 50 ingredients, we can make ourselves feel and perform a lot better in many different ways. So that's kind of... Is there any way that can include potato chips and Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> because I eat like pretty good everywhere else. Yeah, you're just... you're. Chip, but I drink yeah. way too much coffee, and it's either Starbucks or Tim Hortons. And chips. when I have coffee at home, it's actually organic coffee that I grind at home, but I'm just never at home. Um, yeah. And then yeah, that's I a hard eat, thing, like, right? actually I've been off the chips the lately, but I've been, I've been trying to trade chips for nuts, but I, but then I feel like I'm eating too that's many nuts. But I'd rather, you'd rather eat too many nuts than too many potato chips though, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's right? probably I mean, it's a, true. It, Right now, I'm halfway through a big bag I think of it Chicago comes down popcorn. to one habit at a time, right? 
I think I think you've got a good thing there of trying to attack the chip habit first. You know, sometimes I don't know when I work with clients and stuff, I take a look at their day from start to finish, Mm -hmm. and then basically just kind of start pecking through from there. But the potato chips and the snacking, what usually helps with that is just making sure to have a damn big breakfast. Right, you get a big breakfast right when you wake up. Um, which because, you know, I mean, I'm assuming you don't have a big breakfast. Yeah, I don't you have breakfast coffee at all. Yeah. 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 So here's, here's the thing that gets a lot of uh, confusion. A lot of people get into the intermittent fasting, right? So they talk about, well, the intermittent fasting, you fast for a longer period of time yep. and you'll kind of get on the outskirts of ketosis. You guys have been playing with that? Yeah. Yeah. I have been a little bit. Yeah. I don't play with yeah. anything. So it could be a real <laughs> Yeah, a time restricted time restricted eating window can be really useful for losing body fat. It doesn't. It's not like magic, right? So, by intermittent fasting, for the, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's basically a strategy where you eat during a sixteen hour window. Or I'm sorry, you eat during an eight hour window and you fast for sixteen hours. So, say you eat breakfast at nine o'clock, you'd have dinner at five o'clock. That's an eight hour window, I think, if okay. I can do basic yep, math yep. still. Usually can't. You'd be um, rushing dinner. Yeah, so you eat within that eight-hour window. Most people will end up restricting calories because the smaller eating window just allows less time to eat. Exactly. Um, also, you get it. <laughs> you know, it's like it works. But you know, for your situation where you, you're saying that, like, you, you get the midday cravings for just like uh, potato chips and the shit like that. Well, it's usually one of the night. best things. Yeah, I don't eat lunch usually either. I usually, blow through breakfast oh, and lunch, and then I'll have a big dinner. And, and it's not to uh-huh. fast. It, don't don't get them wrong here. It's not to fast. It's just for pure. Is it laziness, Darren, or what? <laughs> <laughs> Busyness. Busyness. Convenience. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. Convenience. Convenience. That's the nice word for laziness, isn't it? Could be. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, man. I mean, I I was gonna say skewing those calories to earlier in the day can can work magic for actually keeping the cravings down later in the day. Uh, but it sounds like you're already doing that. And one of the next things that I would look at would be just kind of the, the macronutrient composition of that first meal and making sure that it's got a significant amount of protein and fat can really help to set the leptin levels, which is a satiety hormone, and drop the cortisol in the morning, which is pretty important. And that can, you get a nice big breakfast with lots of protein and fat. That can usually give satiety for a real long time. Now, if it's going to last past dinner, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, that, that can be a strategy to uh, kind of quell that crap. Yeah, I've been trying the intermittent fasting a little bit, and, and I've been wanting to do like a three-day fast, but it's tough, man. It, but it really does show it's really challenging mindfully, right? Because you're so used to spending time just preparing food and eating days. and all, yeah, I just want to go like three days with nothing but water drink juice or nothing, nothing, just water. Right. And it's, it's super, it's a, it's a, it's very hard spiritually to just like be mindful enough to go, yeah. okay, like I'm craving food like crazy. Now, what do I do? Just breathe and stay Isn't in the moment crazy? or something. Cause you, it's, it's unreal how, you know, even if I'm not hungry, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be eating technically, you know, like I feel like I'm supposed to be Why eating. Why start with like a juice cleanse? <clears throat> No, I just want to do the three-day water. I think, actually, all right, so in response to both of you, right, so like, uh, I think a three-day water fast can be really powerful, but, so, all right, so most of the people that come to, like, my, to my channel and stuff, a lot of them are looking for fat loss. I don't recommend, like, three-day fast or fasting for fat loss, just because, I don't know, there's just something weird about it to me, right? It's like, 
it's it's not a sustainable practice, first of all. If you want fat loss, it's about habit formation. So we right. need to replace the old shitty habits that make us fat with new habits that make us fit. Um, simply fasting away the food, like simply fasting away the body fat uh, doesn't really do much to change those habits. Um, but the juice fast versus the water fast, I would go, I would wager that a water fast is actually easier than a juice fast. Um, especially after the second day, like after the end of the second day, a water fast could become relatively um, easy. But I mean, it's, it's kind of all about context too, right? The more yeah, you do yeah. it, the easier it gets. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, if you're going to, if you're thinking about a three day fast, I would, I would say, first of all, it's three day fast is perfectly safe. As long as when you eat after it, you don't shove a shitload of food down your mouth, right? So you want to actually taper the food back in so you don't shock your system. But um, yeah, three day fast can be a, an amazing way to get a deep autophagy to reset the immune system and um, to really rearrange the habits because it's crazy how much, like just how deeply ingrained our food and our dietary habits are, and how we use them to regulate emotions yeah, and neurochemistry. Concept. Exactly, that's kind of what I'm interested in is how I use it as a crutch. Really, I'm like, so I'm I'm not being mindful and I just want to eat like even I'm not even paying attention to what I'm eating right I got to be mindful when I'm eating as well so I did awesome. want to you know speaking of of um of uh wheat and grains or you're saying ingrained and I thought about the grains again because you mentioned <laughs> grain you mentioned grains earlier and today like so what about this sort of um I've been trying to go without grains for a while here and then last week I I, I kind of slipped and I had a a burger and a couple pizzas in, in a couple days. And I fucking, I was really irritated and I thought, um, I was trying to figure out why am I so irritated? But I really feel like because I went a while without it, that it's finally experiencing that gap and then eating the grains, I think it really affected my mood, but I, I don't, I can't figure out why, why are greens yeah. so, so bad. So we had a, we had a barbecue today at, at work and there was a bunch of people standing around and there was four of us just standing there eating burgers and stuff without buns. Like there was a whole bunch of us that weren't eating grains. And I realized <laughs> at once we're all standing around trying. And I, I mean, I've only just new to this, this type it? of thing. I'll talk, I'll tell you later. <laughs> okay. But, but, um, but why is it, why are grains so bad? Because we've been, they've been around in our, you know, they should be part of our evolution. You'd think, you know, it's I mean, crazy, right? Now this stuff, this I mean, we start getting when you look at this. Why are grains so bad? And where did grains come from? That where did the domestic domestication of grains start? Um, this is the stuff that really fascinates me because there is no answer. <laughs> like I like things to where there is no definite answer. I like mysteries. Right. I like life. Um, right. So the whole grain thing to me is really fascinating. So I mentioned earlier. Um, I I mentioned in my possibly could be perceived as super negative rant on the nature of society and how we feed ourselves. I talked about how it's kind of like an assembly line for, well, I guess there's not an assembly line for cattle, but it's it we're essentially being treated like cattle, like domesticated animals, right? It's like when you take a wolf, you take it out of the wild, it's wild diet is going to be wild game. Um, you take a wolf and you feed it kibble and you get a dog eventually, <laughs> supposedly. Um, but that's kind of what's going on with humans. When you look at the fossil record um, and the size of our skulls, about 12,000 years ago, there was a massive decrease in the cranium size. And this, this is right in line 
with what we believe to be the dawn of agriculture, at least within this cultural epoch, <laughs> right? Because who knows how many times we've yeah. already been through this same yeah. cycle of buried past civilization. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like the cities we have now will be dust in a few hundred years. You ever see a car that's just been sitting out um, without, you know, a, a coat of paint? Um, that shit rusts away pretty dang fast. So we, <laughs> um, so yeah, anyways, when you look at like Gobekli Tepe and stuff like that, and some of these more recent discoveries, um, to me, it's really interesting because when you listen to like Graham Hancock and uh, some of these individuals talk about Gobekli Tepe, it seems to be kind of an educational site that had something to do with agriculture. And every single one of these massive megalithic cultures that rose up, um, you know, over the past however many thousands of years, every single one of these has been based upon agriculture. Agriculture is required to sustain massive human populations in large valleys that are, you know, depopulated of nature. Um, so there's, I don't know, there seems to be some kind of a natural inclination for us to create our own habitat, just like ants and bees make their hives. We kind of create our own natural habitat as well, but it seems like somewhere along the line, somebody learned somehow <laughs> how to uh, domesticate plants and animals and people um also and that's kind of what i see agriculture grains especially grains right grains are like the symbol of agriculture um in order to have these as a viable food source we need a large labor supply right so you need a lot of labor so you need a common belief among the people you're also going to need a ruling hierarchy to keep that labor labor going. You're also going to need organization of the storage of the food surplus and stuff like that. I mean, it's an entire organizational structure that rises up around agriculture. And it is a master slave based society, whether that's good or bad or, you know, that's that's up to I don't know. That's in the realm of the philosopher to decide. But to me, it just seems like this whole grain an agriculture thing is, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's almost like it's the, the fruit in the garden of Eden. You shall be as gods. <laughs> you know, it's like the serpent is the most subtle beast of the field. And he tells Adam and Eve, you shall surely be, you will be as gods, you know? And it's almost like, to me, I see agriculture as a fall from Eden. It's the fall from a state where everything I mean, I, I, and I'm not some idealistic hippie who thinks that if you just run off into the freaking forest, you're going to live a beautiful life, right? <laughs> I live in the mountains of Ecuador. I understand how difficult it actually is to be self-sustained. But, um, but it, I don't know, to me, it, just, it definitely seems like there's some sort of a thing that happened at some point with agriculture. And I don't know what, it's all speculation, but it seems like that was a major turning point in the development of our species and the development of so-called culture. Right? Because culture, most human cultures, when they get big enough and powerful enough, require agriculture and are all based around that. So, um, so it may, so maybe yeah, it's like know. a double edged sword like that, right? Because even like the best of the sciences kind of need that someone to feed them. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's really, well, and when you think about it too, it's like, think about the natural world, right? We, whatever that even means. Um, you go out into the Amazon here. So I live in the Andes, uh, which is a very temperate place. Um, when you look at the history of this area and you read some of the chronicles from the Spanish when they first came, um, some amazing stories. But the Andes are very habitable. And the people 
were the Spanish called them tame. <laughs> when the Spanish came to Latin America, they came to Peru. They said that the Andean people, for the most part, were very tame, subdued, and gentle people. Now, these are in the valleys and mountains of the Andes where they've had, you know, flocks grazing. I mean, there were flocks of thousands of vicuñas, of hundreds of thousands of llamas um, just roaming through these areas. None of these flocks are around anymore because of the, you know, the many changes that have happened since then. But what I'm getting at is the civilization that existed in the Andean culture and in the so-called Inca Empire was agricultural based. And on the outskirts of the Inca Empire, it was there were many small tribes, right? So you'd have jungle tribes over on the over the Cordillera de los Andes. On the other side of the Andes, you've got the Amazon. And in the Amazon and in parts of the Andes, when the Spanish first arrived, there were many cannibal tribes still um, who were non-agricultural based tribes. They were more hunter-gatherer based, um, but they're also more rape and pillage based tribes who would just run into another valley, uh, kill off all the men, take the women and children captive and continue breeding the females in uh, many of these tribes and then eat the children and the females when they weren't viable anymore. <laughs> so it's like there's. What I'm getting at is like the heart, the more you go into the jungle, the further you get in there, the gnarlier it gets. And there are huge swaths of the Amazon right now that we have no idea what there is in there. Like we just, we don't know what kind of people are there. Um, and, you know, the wilderness and the wild and the jungle, I mean, these places, they're harsh. You know, you go in there, you will get eaten alive. You step on the wrong ant and you can be in like an anaphylactic shock. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, Coming out of the jungle, coming out of the forests, sure sounds like a good idea. Um, when you look at it from that perspective of you know cannibalistic tribes and with poison darts who will steal your women, rape them, and eat the children that come from their womb, um, <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's like the the modern agricultural based civilization. It, it's a little more gentle than that. Um, <laughs> so so, but back, it's like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So back to the green then. So so, do you think that are you are you thinking that? Um that it's it's still it's still new in our in the evolution of us and that's still like we're still evolving to yeah. to to uh to use the grain properly as opposed to added chemicals and and the, the way that we're modernly mm -hmm. modernly changing the grain like you know a lot of people think that we I think I think the problem goes I think that's a great that's a great way of leading into it, but I think the problem is more deep and subtle than that you know what I'm saying I think the problem is something a little bit more mysterious because what I was getting at earlier is like, it really seems like a good idea, the whole agriculture thing. When you look at it on paper, right? It's like, oh, we don't need to keep moving around all the time. We don't need to chase these herds all around. We can just stay planted in this beautiful area here and we can work together and have the same foods all the time and it's all good. Um, I think the thing with grains, I don't know, man. I mean, there's a million different ways we can look at this, but I think grains basically, when you look at what they do to the body, Getting back to your question that I never answered earlier, when you look at what they do to the body, they cause ruptures in the gut-brain barrier. So they basically, zonulin, which is released when you eat gluten, actually breaks open these little microvilli in our intestines and makes our gut permeable. So that permeability in the gut allows toxins to get through and go directly into our bloodstream and go through the blood-brain barrier and enter the brain. So when we eat gluten, we are opening up the blood-brain barrier temporarily, right? So it's only temporary. In a few hours, that blood-brain barrier will be a little more open. But if you're doing that consistently 
and you've got sodium fluoride in the water, and your water's chlorinated, mm-hmm. and, and that there's a there's a manifold thing that's happening, and it's just there's so many levels of it that it's like I don't know. You you see what I'm getting at? It's almost overwhelmingly uh, um, stacked, subtle, stacked but up also against very you as well. Yeah. yeah, it's like I mean, you're you're literally when we eat grains. Long story short, we're causing inflammation. We're destroying our gut-brain barrier, and because of the glyphosate load that we're taking in when we eat these grains as well, we're also depopulating beneficial gut bacteria in our gut. Now, grains also, monocrop and monoculture, also desertify land. So the side effects of agriculture are the desertification of the land that you live on unless you do it correctly and use permaculture techniques and Mm -hmm. rotate your crops, which is not done. Um, So you get dust bowls. Uh, you get um, smaller cranium size. You, when you look at kind of the, there's a guy named Weston Price. You guys heard of him? West Weston A. Price. I don't think so. Oh, you guys will like this. Uh, so if you, there's a book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. So this dude Weston Price, he was, um, I think he actually started the American Dental Association. Um, he was a dentist, and he realized and recognized that most cultures that are not eating a standard Western diet, like the Hadza, um, you know, just most indigenous cultures that have not had a grain-based Western diet introduced to them, have perfect teeth. Many of them didn't brush teeth. They didn't have fluoride crest toothpaste, but they had perfectly straight teeth and a line, like their jaws lined up and their bite is perfect. Uh, but when you look at the Western cultures you know you look at i mean british people have notoriously terrible teeth right like the british and the scotch you look at the palates are being are closing up in what in european culture um people get shorter when they're fed grains uh their palates don't develop as correctly uh the nose the bridge of the nose often gets smaller and the nostrils often get smaller so you have lots of lots of evidence of degeneration physically in populations that are eating a standard processed western diet and these problems are not present in populations that are not eating that crap so he postulated that the western diet is creating a lot of these issues and the weston a price foundation is still around to this day um and he's a very influential guy but, um, well, I'll link to that book in the show notes. I mean, it's so hard not to eat grain now, like especially, so I guess I wanted to ask you. you about, about, about that, but also sort of like a keto light. Like, is it, is it, is it yeah. good to take a step towards keto where you're just sort of kicking out the grain and, and the, and the junk food and you're not necessarily getting yourself well, check into it out. ketosis? Check it out, man. Like, so grains, you've got three macronutrients, right? So you have protein, fat, and carbohydrate. Okay. Those are the three macronutrients, which means they're available in large quantities in foods. So a ketogenic diet, like you just mentioned for the audience, you've never heard of it. A ketogenic diet is a diet that's low enough in carbohydrate that makes you burn fat. Now, fat's a very efficient fuel source. And the beauty of of the human body is that it recognizes this and stores copious amounts of it. Look at the American population. (laughs) There's freaking loads of it stored all over the continent. Um, that is our preferred fuel source long-term that we store. So when you run out of carbohydrates, you start burning fat. Um, your liver has to break down the fatty acids into ketones, creates ketones that most of your brain can run on and most of your body. Um, 
some parts of the brain need glucose, so your body will partition that glucose to other parts. So it'll like your liver will actually save that glucose and feed the parts of the brain that need it. If we didn't have this state of ketosis and this thing called gluconeogenesis that allows ketosis, we wouldn't be able to survive a couple days without food. We'd have to have constant glucose coming in to maintain blood sugar levels. So a ketogenic diet is a diet that basically mimics fasting long term. Now that sounds pretty crazy and undesirable when you say it like that, but many of the side effects of fasting in a ketogenic diet are profound. So when you cut the sugars out and you start burning fat for fuel, and we can talk about how to implement this um, and refine it later, but I want to put it in context for people so I'm not just throwing out a bunch of nonsense after ranting about why the world's so screwed up. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so you, you cut the carbs out and you start burning fat. Now, um, you're asking about like keto light, like how to transition to a lower grain diet or a lower carbohydrate diet. Now to cut out grains, you don't even have to eat a low carb diet. So like you guys, I mean, if you just wanted to take one step at a time towards, you know, becoming a little bit more healthy, a little more vibrant or, you know, shedding some extra body fat, cutting out grains can be a really good step in kind of cleaning up the diet. Now, you don't necessarily have to go like full keto to get benefits, right? I mean, mm -hmm. just cutting out the inflammatory things like the wheat, the soy, and the corn and avoiding those products can really improve health. Now, it sounds overwhelming because like bread and pasta and all these things are like are all over the place, but there are a lot of really viable substitutes that you can use. Like, I mean, zucchini pasta is one of those like kind of paleo things a lot of people are into. And if it's done right, it can be really good. But even that, like you, even if you don't want to fully cut out all grains, just cutting out the wheat and most of the, um, you know, cut, av avoiding wheat, avoiding soy, avoiding corn, and avoiding these mass-produced crap foods and going for like stuff like quinoa, right, or spelt. You know, just some of these more ancient grains that are not so refined, that are not so sprayed with glyphosate and toxic. Um, that's a big step right there, but you don't have to go like super low carb, right? So if you want to, you want to clean up the diet and get rid of the wheat and stuff like that, I mean, just substituting yucca, right? You guys know what yucca is or yucca? Yeah, I've you heard call of it. That. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, mean, I didn't know that substituting that, that or sweet potatoes, right? So it's like I have sweet, sweet potatoes, potatoes instead. Yeah, yeah you know, it's like yams. I've yams cut out fantastic. white potatoes actually because I noticed that they make me tired. And I cut out yeah, white rice, but I still mm. eat a lot of wild rice. I just cut out white. You like rice. the wild rice? Yeah, and I know it, it doesn't make me feel sleepy after like the white rice does. Now, when you feel sleepy after a meal, it usually means that you got some blood sugar going up and down, right? So you get that blood sugar spike, and then the insulin comes and clears it out, and then we can get kind of depleted. So those that insulin resistance. Um, that we get from eating a lot of grains, from eating a lot of refined processed carbohydrates um, can make it more likely that we have those crashes. But just losing a little bit of body fat and kind of cleaning up the diet a bit can sometimes make it so that we can actually tolerate foods that we couldn't handle in the past, right? Like I, I have no problem eating wheat and stuff like that occasionally. I prefer not to eat it. To be honest, if I have one meal with wheat, I don't feel any negative side effects the next day. You know what I'm saying? But I know if I continue eating at the French bakery, which my actual French friend Roman runs and makes the most amazing. If I, I know if I eat that shit all the time, 
I'm going to get fat and I'm going to get lazy and eventually I'm going to feel shitty. Right. But it's like a slow slide into it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just basic habit formation of like, you know, pulling the wheat and the grains out and shoot. I mean, even like having more fruits and vegetables rather than the wheat and the grains, it'd be a really big step for people. Um, of course what I do is like a very low carbohydrate diet that's based around meats. It's basically, my diet is based around proteins, fats, and vegetables, right? So I eat like this morning, for instance, I had an omelet, big old avocado, a bunch of butter, and just a bunch of greens and veggies in the omelet. Um, you know, so those, those are the kind of meals that I eat very low in carbohydrate, higher in protein and fats. Um, and that allows me to maintain stable blood sugar. So you don't get that, like that crash right after a meal, right? It's like, if you eat, if I eat Ben and Jerry's, I will feel tired afterwards. But if I eat, you know, some like a three cheese egg omelet with some sardines and avocado in the morning, I'll feel fantastic all day. And I won't get hungry much at all throughout the day. So, um, you know, it's just kind of learning how to leverage and get the most out of what we put into our bodies, right? Like having a purpose for the foods that we eat and slowly transitioning into a lifestyle where everything we eat has an intention, has a purpose and makes us feel good. Um, I know that's, that's kind of my goal, right? To make everything that I eat worth eating. In the, the long and run. to know what it did to you would be cool too, you know, kind of like you can with your different strains of weed. Like, right on, man, I got mm-hmm. this, I got a, I know I got to go do a test later, so I got to have an apple and orange and half a banana. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and, and you know what, it really, once you start refining it and it's one step at a time, it's best not to just jump into things and go crazy extreme with diets and, you know, just pulling out the excess, pulling out the crap the, the, you know, prepackaged shit that's got a hundred thousand ingredients on it, just removing that and eating unrefined foods whenever possible, it would just feel better and function better. And you get to know your body more, right? But if we're constantly just eating whatever's in front of us, then it's really hard to tell what the hell is doing what in our body. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's like people who, yeah. That's what like I've been trying to do. Spackle at the wall. That's what I've been trying to do is just not have garbage in the house. Because if I have stuff in the house, if I have Ritz crackers in the house, I'm going to be fucking binging on Ritz crackers. So I just keep, I try and keep it like seriously every week, just vegetables, meat, and uh, some gluten-free bread. Now I can even get into the soup crackers. I get get crackers (laughs) for the soup. And then like the other day I sat in the kitchen and crushed a whole pack of those crackers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, it's the thing is that these, they're foods that we have, they're hyper palatable. They're super delicious, right? I mean, Ben and Jerry's and Burger King, they taste great. You know, these things, now, maybe not Burger King. Um, but when I was 19, I thought it tasted good. But um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're hyper palatable foods. They're very high in calories. They're high in both fat and carbohydrates and they're just low in nutrition. So it's like you eat a lot of calories, but you don't get a lot of bang for your buck. Whereas if you just make those calories count, and instead of keeping the Ritz crackers and the Ben and Jerry's and the Krispy Kreme donuts on hand, instead, if you keep things like salmon, like wild caught salmon, like grass fed beef, like lamb shanks, um, just having shitloads of eggs around all the time, mm-hmm. having a dozen hard boiled eggs at any given time in your fridge that you can just reach in and grab. I think having those things around and focusing on keeping nutrient dense, good foods that make you feel good, that make you perform well 
and that don't make you sleep like shit or feel like shit all day, having those foods around and focusing on those instead of the shit can be just really, really helpful. That's a great idea. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, what, so what sometimes a, it's like, yeah, go for it. Well, no, I just wanted to, to uh, mention, I was talking to another guy at work today about, uh, about keto diets and stuff. And they, he, he mentioned Atkins and how that, uh, like, you know, is there, is there a difference between Atkins and, and keto? keto keto diets and and uh did that guy did the atkins guy really pass away from a heart attack or is that sort of i i I didn't really think to ask you that until now but that's a good question for sure yeah no the the diet wars right the vegans versus the um the The heretics the infidels yeah Yeah, the paleo (laughs) so yeah so all right check it out i'm one of those subhumans that believes it's not bad to eat meat so if you're a vegan get over it um, but what, what are we talking about? Oh, the, the Atkins <laughs> oh, guy. Yeah. 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 All right. So like the vegans love to say, Oh, Atkins choked on his own cholesterol and died in a pool of <laughs> butter. Um, no, the Atkins, as far as, as far as I know, the Atkins guy hit his head and died of trauma to his head. No now, way. Maybe he was fat. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. Whatever. But the difference between Atkins and keto is this. So ketogenic diet, very low in carbohydrates. Atkins, also very low in carbohydrates. What Atkins does though, and it's clever and it works for a lot of people. What Atkins does, they tell you to cut carbs pretty low in the beginning, almost zero carb, and cut fat very low, which makes it so you burn a lot of body fat and lose a lot of weight but it's kind of unsustainable for a lot of people. So Atkins is essentially super high protein, not really focusing on getting a lot of fats in, which keto is not necessarily about either. But um, the difference between a ketogenic diet and Atkins is essentially Atkins is like, just eat a shitload of protein at the expense of other macros and you'll be full and you'll lose weight and you'll usually feel better because you're cutting out all the carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, so Atkins is more like eat protein and some veggies and then there's certain adjustments that you make and then after you're done with Atkins, you like taper your carbs back up to 50 grams and then 100 grams a day or something like that. Well, I think that's, that's Atkins. I think that's what happened is is this this guy and, and um, other people have seen these, these uh, films about the meat industry, right? And these vegans sort of pushing... And I'm not against veganism or whatever. I mean, I've, I was a pescetarian for a couple of years when my dad was sick. Like I've tried some of that in the past as well. And I'm, I, yeah. I would think about going back to that at some point as well. But, but, um, but yeah. I think they're, you know, they're demonizing the saturated fats and the, and they're demonizing the healthy fats as well. Right. Which is, yeah. which is part of the problem. Absolutely. So, I mean, no, I you've, seen, to... you've seen saturated fats. We've seen saturated fats demonized for decades now, right? You have Ansel Keys in the 1970s, um, colluding with the American Heart Association, these other groups just straight up demonizing saturated fats is straight up to cover for the damage that processed and refined sugar is doing. Um, so when exactly. you actually kind of look at the history of the demonization of saturated fats, absurd. This one guy, Ansel Keys, basically bullied the world into believing that saturated fat is causing heart disease. And that lasted for decades. Um, actually, it's still I, people are still talking about it. That 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 article that came out. I wanted to hear your take on that. And, you know, about the coconut oil thing as well, right? I mean, this is, it's still yeah. fucking happening. They're yeah. still referencing all this old bullshit. It's oh, unbelievable. Are we talking about coconut oil? Because I've been looking for an excuse to use some of that new J.P. Sears thing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. 
Look, coconut oil, it's not like magical, but it ain't bad. And saturated fats in general are one of the most safe foods to eat. But it's all about context. If you eat a lot of saturated fat with a lot of refined sugar and you're just eating the standard American diet, then, yeah, you're going to get screwed up and inflamed and fat. But in the context of a lower carbohydrate intake, which when you think about historically, right, we go through feast famine cycles. So in nature – Foods are available seasonally. So you got carbs that are available in long light cycles. They're not all winter long going to go walk outside and pick a watermelon. So we're used to having periods of high carb intake and then super low carb intake in mm. winters and stuff like that. Um, now, yeah, so I mean, we're primed for it, right? We're used to having feast famine cycles. Today, we don't have that. We can go down to 7-Eleven and buy 10 Quest bars because they're healthy and they're high in protein and low in carbs. We can eat 10 of those, uh, go home, smoke a couple bong rips, walk back to 7-Eleven at 3 a.m. in the morning, maybe buy some crack on the way there from your local drug dealer. And it's just like you could just over and over again fill up with hyper palatable foods. And it's, it, I don't know, it's just, it's ridiculous. So long term, I think we need to balance this out we need to balance out our feast with a little bit of famine every now and then and we can do that without having to go super harsh and starve ourselves and do straight up fasting we can do that just through simple carbohydrate restriction seasonally and i think a ketogenic diet can be a really effective way kind of reset the metabolism reset the mind reset the body um and man it it, i'm not sure how deep you guys want to go into some of this stuff but some of the mechanisms in the ketogenic diet are really fantastic. Um, like, yeah, sure, go, sure, go, go deeper and then and talk, yeah, a, yeah, go yeah. deeper and talk Balls about your deep. book and then talk about your book a little bit as well in there. Make sure you plug that. All so. Right, cool. so, all right, so check it out. So low carbohydrate diets, ketogenic diet, a ketogenic state. It's very neuroprotective. So this diet was actually discovered for epileptic children in the 1920s, there were no drugs that would keep seizures away from these kids. And they found out that administering a diet that was really low in carbs was very beneficial for these kids who would keep their epilepsy away. Now, a ketogenic diet for these kids was about 80% fat. It was a high-fat diet. Um, So they needed to get enough protein in to where they could still maintain their lean muscle mass because these are growing children. And they needed to keep their carbohydrates low and they needed to keep their fat really high so that they could still grow and not be, you know, catabolic and, um, and, you know, wither away. Now, the reason the ketogenic diet seems to work so well for epilepsy is because it's neuroprotective effects. So ketones are signaling molecules, not just energy substrate. So you burn ketones for energy, but also they signal certain gene expressions these gene expressions can include, well, certain things that, all right, so one thing that happens in the brain is you have excitatory or inhibitory neurotransmitters. So you, you know about like uh, glutamate, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, MSG, monosodium glutamate. MSG was like really Delicious. demonized for a long time. The Chinese food, you know? So MSG is excitatory. It's like fries your brain out. So with these excitatory neurotransmitters, serotonin, very excitatory as well. And is not, oh, I don't want to get into that, but serotonin can be very uh, excitatory as well. But a ketogenic diet and ketones actually promote the production of GABA, G-A-B-A. Mm-hmm. And GABA, um, the Russians actually developed a drug 
that is GABA that can cross the blood-brain barrier. And the drug is called Finibut. You guys ever heard of that stuff? I have heard about it. I just heard about it from a friend at a wedding the other day. And I was just going to ask you if GABA was, if Finibut was the precursor to GABA or something like that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So yeah, GABA, uh, Finibut is a, it's like a twisted version of GABA, right? So Finibut's like, you you know how Shulgin took, uh, took mescaline and made all those analogs, uh, (laughs) The same happens in Russia and pharmaceutical companies and stuff like that. So the Russians developed this GABA, like an analog, um, that would cross the blood-brain barrier. But what GABA does is it's very inhibitory. Now that sounds like, I don't know, it sounds kind of negative almost. But what it does is it's actually soothing and it is neuroprotective. So it protects your brain from the excitation that these other neurotransmitters can, um, that, that can cause damage, basically. So people who go on a ketogenic diet or people who fast for an extended period of time usually end up reporting that they feel much calmer, that they feel much less inclined to like flip out over little things, and that they just feel a little bit more balanced. To me, that's kind of why I gravitated towards keto, right? So I, 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 you talked about vegan stuff earlier. I went through a period where I was doing like a raw vegan diet. I mean, I had, I had my mercury fillings removed, um, nine years ago. And after that I had before and after that, I had lots of health issues, right? So I had a lot of things that I was working through and, um, I've been through, been through the, through a lot of different styles of eating, but the one that ended up sticking for me was the ketogenic diet. And the main reason I like it is just because it makes my brain feel, you know, I mean, I, I like, I like being able to go a few hours without thinking about food. I like being able to wake up in the morning, have a nice meal, and not have to think about food for the whole rest of the day if I need to. Um, and that's kind of what keto allows, and that's kind of why I like it. Um, Would you consider fenibut mind-altering? Yeah, no, fenibut, fenibut's weird. Uh, I, I don't recommend taking it regularly because you can develop a tolerance and you can develop... Uh, An addiction to it not as well, like, or? I guess, yeah, like a psychological addiction, like dependence, right? Um, it, it, it's relatively safe, but I don't know. I just prefer to make my own GABA, right? Yeah, like yeah, I, I actually yeah. I have a bottle of Fendiba here because I wanted to try it. Yeah, I found that it's it's kind of noticeable if you're feeling stressed, um, and it helps you sleep really deep. Huh. Um, the Fendiba, but if you use it more than like two days in a row, then you can start to get a little bit like hangover type feelings and stuff like that. So I don't, I'm not really into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But it is, it's relatively safe. Like once or twice a week, you shouldn't have any problems. So how, how important is like geographical genetics? Like for example, uh, you know, like the, let's say if I'm from my genetics are from, you know, Northern Europe or the UK or something, or going back to that compared to somebody like living where you are now. Somebody like who? Cause the carbs, no, the carbs, uh, you know, because don't we handle carbs and, and um, other things differently and mm-hmm. our gut biome requirements are different depending on our genetics? Like how, yeah. how, how much does that play a role, do you think? For sure. No, there definitely seems to be a genetic proclivity of some people to handle more carbohydrates. Um, it seems like people, populations that live closer to the equator, um, so like, you know, blacks and uh, South Americans, stuff like that, seem to do better on a high carbohydrate intake. But I mean, it's, it, it's all about context, right? So you see a lot of people, they, you know, a lot of um, you know, people of African descent, they'll move to really cold areas where they don't have a lot of sunshine. 
And the melanin, you know, they store a lot of melanin, but at the same time, I mean, the melanin is there and their skin is dark because they are meant to be, I mean, we are all meant to be connected to the sun and to the earth. So you will see like, I mean, you, you look at populations that move away from where they naturally live and some people do tend to get health issues. And uh, I think the carbohydrate thing, I, I haven't seen any studies on this or really like got deep into the science and I don't worship science either, right? It's like, I don't, just because some fucking study says something doesn't mean it's the ultimate truth or the word of God. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't, science is not a deity. Science is a process, but it seems like the science kind of shows that there are genetic proclivities towards certain macronutrients. Like when you look at the uh, the Eskimo populations, right? Mm-hmm. So um, these individuals actually have some gene alleles. They actually have some gene polymorphisms that make it so that they are more resistant to ketosis, which is actually very interesting because they're a population that's often referenced as the model low-carbohydrate um like diet, right? Because they, I mean, they're eating whale blubber, seal meat, uh, fermenting uh, birds for months and eating that. They're basically eating a zero carbohydrate diet, but they have an adaptation that makes them more prone to having a constant supply of blood glucose and not getting into deep ketosis. So there are a lot of these little genetic variations that seem to have a, uh, that seem to come into play, but I don't know. I mean, I've so like I mentioned, uh, you know, people from Africa, like black populations moving away from the equator into areas that are, uh, you know, further away from the sun and having health issues. But also, when you look at like, you would almost expect African people to not do well on a ketogenic diet, but it doesn't seem to flesh out that way, mm. right? There's like the Hadza who live off of mainly meat and uh, milk and um, what's it called? And uh, blood, uh, live mm-hmm. blood from their cattle because they don't want to kill their cattle all the time because they live in the Namibian desert. Um, so there, there are many populations that eat low carbohydrate naturally from, you know, different genetic populations and different genetic expressions in the human experience. But uh, I think it's a universal thing that we should all be able to adapt to and get into ketosis regularly mm-hmm. and go through periods of carbohydrate restriction. So like, yeah. we can all do it. Maybe some of us can do it better than others. Maybe, and this, I don't, this definitely hasn't been proven at all, but maybe Europeans are more inclined to a ketogenic diet because of the harsh conditions that we lived in, which were, you know, depleted of, uh, we, we wouldn't have carbohydrates available all year round. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like a big, maybe, it's like a yes, but maybe not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, often, how often do they drink the blood? <laughs> when they're thirsty. No, when okay. you're hungry. Not as often as Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Is that the guy who owns Amazon? Yeah. Yeah, that's the, the Amazon.com guy. That's why he's got the googly eyes. Bezos. He's, I think he's about to be the richest man in the world. He right? is. He overtook Bill Gates, mm. yeah. And then Amazon's going to buy man. Netflix. I'm I'm predicting Amazon will buy Netflix within the next three years. And oh, then they'll be shit. fucking That'll no be stuff. Because cool. I think Netflix is always running like $20 billion in debt. Yeah, I really feel like it's getting dystopian out there. Like <laughs> the YouTube clamped down, the Twitter clamped down, and then all this stuff. I didn't like, know you could oh, live off just getting... So well, we can it's go crazy. Yeah, they, they actually, they, 
they don't want to kill their their cattle, so they'll they'll cut them open, and then the wounds will heal. So they'll they'll drink some of the blood. They'll get the salt from the blood, the iron from the blood. There's a lot of things in there, and um and they'll also drink milk and uh and eat some meats and stuff too. And honey, when they find honey, they gorge on it. And that's the thing about carbohydrates, right? It's like they're not available all the time, but when you find the sweets, you eat the sweets. So it's like we get a jar of honey. And naturally, we want to eat the whole damn thing, right? right like you get right. a loaf of sweet bread. We want to eat the whole thing because in nature, they don't last long, right? Like the neighboring tribe is going to come over and pick that tree dry if you don't get it right now. You know, in Ecuador, actually, the culture here in Ecuador, it's crazy. And people always laugh about like, why do they, you know, they'll, they'll eat green bananas or they'll pick fruit before it's even ripe. And the figs, they'll pick when they're still green. And then they... Why are they doing this? Um, the, the former president of Ecuador wrote a book and he talked about how um, his theories on it and how, you know, I mean, just not so long ago, they were having to, you know, basically fight for these supplies and they were used to having to harvest things early because if they didn't harvest it, their neighbor's going to harvest it early. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I forget what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> me, me too. We're talking about eating blood. <laughs> eating blood. No, okay. I don't know. I don't know much about that. That was just an example. <laughs> I don't know how often they do it. But when they get honey, they eat a bunch of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like Yeah, I love me some honey. Most of these cultures, they don't they don't intentionally restrict carbohydrates. The environment does it for them. Sometimes we created an environment. At night I'll just go have a teaspoon of honey. Boom. Well, that that made, that explains why it's so addictive, carbs, right? Oh, and and so all that. I mean, I just you know have some toast, and I just want to keep eating toast. Nathan brought me honey from New Zealand. Oh, yeah. it's good clover honey. Yeah. yeah, delicious. So honey is an amazing food. Uh, I don't think there's anything actually inherently wrong with carbohydrates themselves. I think it's the types of carbs, how they're processed, how they're treated, and how they're grown that makes them either beneficial or you know toxic in our yeah. body. Yeah, That's that like spread too. You know, like yeah. honey, like wild. Wild honey is an amazing food. I, I, I like for the most part, I stay on a ketogenic diet year round. But I'll go a couple months out of the year usually when there's a big, nice honey harvest here locally. I'll get some of this beautiful Andean honey, and um, yeah, I'll go nuts on it for a few days or for a week. Is that I, uh, like all bets are I, off week or just honey? Is that like honey week? You're fucking having burgers and ribs and <laughs> anything goes. No, you know, I'm weird, man. I'm like. I've, re- I've after years of doing this, after kind of years of just like refining my diet, I I'm not so into like burgers and pizza and stuff like anymore, and that, unless it's quality. So I've always been an obnoxious food snob, like just freaking like I must. I remember my parents would get milk from Costco, and uh, <laughs> I pissed my dad off all through high school because he'd bring the milk home, and half the time it would have this certain smell and taste that I found so off-putting. It was just like it was just off. Um, but anyways, yeah, I've always been super obnoxiously picky. So when I do that, when I eat honey, what I end up doing is I'll eat like, I'll do like flax pancakes or something like that. You know, like I'll do grain free. What's that, babe? <laughs> we, we basically, I eat keto foods with less fat and then I eat more honey. That's what I do. Cause I like, I've got, so, I've got like certain staple foods that I like, you know, and I rotate them and I, there's certain foods that I, uh, and I'll go through phases of like eating the same breakfast for months and then I'll change it. Yeah. But um, I'll usually end up eating the same foods that I normally eat, but removing, like I won't add a bunch of butter or like I won't add coconut oil. I won't add fat for energy. I'll just eat carbs instead. And those carbs are usually just from honey. And then after about a week, 
I get sick of it and I want to go back to keto because I feel better on keto. Well, and you're not a cheater either, right? You don't do your cheat days or anything like that. Like you're pretty much like you're on that and you don't, you know, you don't, there's no point well, in doing your little cheat day. I mean, I've heard you mention that a few times and it kind of makes yeah. sense to me. Like, it's, uh, that's, that's my self-talk though. All right. So here, here, here it is. Like I don't, I don't eat keto all the time. I enjoy eating keto most of the time. I don't do cheat days where it's like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to eat whatever is, you know, the, the, all the, I don't do cheat days because, all right, so like when I was in high school, I like experimented with like more hardcore drugs, right? Like I did like, would take like painkillers and stuff, like, you know, try Coke and shit like that. Um, I don't do those things anymore. But like, it's not like the weekend comes and I'm going to have a cheat day and go, you know, buy an eight ball, (laughs) (laughs) buy, buy some Valium in an eight ball. It's like, I'm not going to do that. It's just, it's just not a part of the system anymore. So it's like, I'll eat some carbs. I'll eat some things that are off plan. I might go to town every once in a while. And, uh, there's a restaurant in town that they make a really good, this fajitas and they'll put pineapple and like, they'll cook the meat and pineapple and stuff like that occasionally I'll have some more carbohydrates from foods like that, but I don't do cheat days because I don't want to cheat myself. Right. It's like, I don't do cheat days on my wife or on my, my job. Right. Like I don't do cheat days on like trying my spiritual progress. You don't do cheat whatever days at work. <laughs> days at work. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, hey, can you do, I used to do cheat days at work. I think that's like when you <laughs> call in sick and then you go swimming. Yeah. I used to have this job when I was second job I ever got. I worked at a hotel and I, they gave me a van. They gave me a minivan, a white shirt with gold buttons and shoulder pads and a walkie talkie. And my house was like three blocks away. (laughs) Uh, And my job was a shuttle driver and a bellman. So I would like drive people from this nice hotel. I'd like drive them to places around Carlsbad, California, like drop them off at restaurants and stuff. And then just cruise around in this van but at that job, I used to have cheat days. I used to go home and lay in my bed and I'd have my radio there. And in case they called me from work, which was two blocks away, then I'd take the van and I'd drive back to the property of the hotel and act like I was there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, was my cheat day. That's a cheat day for sure. That's <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's like cheat days with diet. I think it's a silly thing to set ourselves up with, right? It's like if we're going to, the diet should be there to support our life. The diet should be there to support what we want to do in every other part of our life. The diet shouldn't be there as an idol. The diet shouldn't be there as a religion, as a deity, as a false god. The diet's there. Exactly, right? Or like an identity thing. Like people love that, you know, especially now with people so fractured. The family unit's kind of been broken down and the internet like allows people to create these little cults. So one of the things that annoys the shit out of me though is people turning this whole diet thing into a religion. Um, So I don't religiously eat keto and think that, well, I will eat keto the rest of my life. This is the way and the truth and the light. No, that's, that's not how I look at it. But for now, it works. And I don't know, I just, I've come to a place where I just try and treat I just try and treat the vessel as well as I can and keep it running as optimally as possible. And, um, you know, the diet's there to support that. Yeah. So you and I guess like the ketogenic diet and the vegan diet would be like arch enemies in most cases. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, like, it's like 
Yeah, it's like if you're walking down the street and you see a vegan, you got to jump on them. You just have to. Yeah, you have to. Otherwise, you get a reputation as being soft. It's it's like in prison, right? It's like if you see you see a vegan, you got to shank them. You know, it's like the Norteños and the Serenios. I do with the sharpened rib bone. Yes, (laughs) sharpened rib bone, dude. That try and come at you with like a piece of celery or something, but that can't do shit. So what about yeah, what about some of these bunch of pissed off vegans right now? Um, I'd like before I got nothing nothing wrong with veganism. Like it, it's just when people if you're a vegan, it's all good. I used to eat a vegan diet. Used to be I didn't identify as a you know I wasn't a, I wasn't veganer than thou, but um yeah it's, uh, I got nothing no problem with vegans. I'm just joking about that stuff. But there is like kind of a big divide, right? Of like if you look at YouTube shit, which is I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of like. Trolls. My diet can beat up your diet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm my money's on keto. What were you going to say there, Dan? You well, I want to get into vegan? keto. I think. Oh, you want to start um, it a bit? Yeah. Well, I, if not me, I know my wife's definitely showing some interest in it, and I know Let Adam Loyal really liked it. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. I think I think it's a good idea, and I think it's something that's really beneficial to try. Right, like even if you're not going to do it long term, it's something that one should try for at least a couple months. And even if it doesn't end up being something that you enjoy, it's a way to exert your will and actually, it's a really good exercise in willpower, right? Of actually taking control of our habits, rearranging our relationship with food, and whatever happens on the other end, whether you end up saying "screw it, that Tristan guy's an idiot, I'm gonna be a vegan," or you know whatever happens in the end, it's like. It's a good experience, right? It's just taking control of our habits, taking control of our life, taking control of our automatic reactions and our, you know, when we just reach for the food, it can be super beneficial. I want to send you, I got your email. So I'm going to email you, um, first of all, I'll send you guys both copies of our book. I've already got, and then the, I'll I've also already got send, the book, so yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah. Well, thank you. I bought, yeah, I'll I bought also it. send you... <laughs> On. Well, you, you can buy more if you want to. <laughs> um, I'll also send you some, uh, I'll send you guys like a sample meal plan or like a, an example, uh, like a diet that I would give to somebody and, uh, you know, you can see if it helps. Yeah. yeah I'm thinking of trying it out. I'd definitely try it out. I'll do it with for you. For a couple. I'll do I'm going to do it with my wife. Okay. I'm fine. You, you cheater. You're a cheater. <laughs> I've seen you twice right? on cheat day. I can't have you dragging me down. It's okay, Darren. It's, it's cheat like, day. No, but you gotta cook. You gotta cook on your own, right? Like it's I hard. Cook on my own I, I know, day. but that's what's difficult. I'm I'm really trying to do all the cooking myself now, and it's a lot of fucking extra time for that's, me, right? See, that's, it's cooking that's and cleaning the and the I prep. Is every meal that we eat is cooked? Because you can't go out crap. and do it. You can't go out and and be keto in a way. Like we you, do get is, a lasagna once no, in a while. Is, well, you can. Oven, so but. you can go out and eat keto, but it's a little harder. Uh, preparing your own food. Um, was that Graham that was saying you you do yeah, your own yeah. food? I do my own food. Well, I try, Graham I eats try. out like ninety no. percent of the no, time. No, 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 no. I eat uh, at home all the time. <laughs> lately, lately, lately yeah. yeah. I don't eat out. Like we eat, we eat. Like I would say, ninety percent of our grocery list is is foods that you're preparing or not preparing, but it's fresh mm-hmm. fruits, fresh vegetables, or meat. Yeah. yeah, we do a lot of like yeah. bread and stuff. We try and get the sourdough bread. We you do we do our own bread mm-hmm. sometimes, which is just a couple ingredients really. And uh, there's so much yeah. you could do with like lower carb ingredients. You could do like coconut flour stuff and almond flour. Like you can have some breads 
and you know still enjoy some of these bready foods but just non-grain based too yeah. and you yeah can i really like baking that's my biggest fear i think is that you know i like to bake all these things and cook like all these baking, things too. and taking uh my wife flour out of your house and it was a big one <laughs> no no but you you don't even take it out you just get rid of the wheat flour and you buy coconut flour and you get coconut flour and almond flour and those two things with coconut flour and almond flour and practice you can make some amazing stuff. Like if you go on our Instagram, which we don't we don't update it that much, we got a lot of food pictures on there. Um, I mean, we've got like there's a, one of like a, a blackberry pie that my, my my wife made, which was relatively low in carbs too, but probably not best for like just starting out on a low carb diet because <laughs> when you just start out, you do have cravings. But she made like this low carb berry pie, and like I mean, she makes these muffins that are. Uh, there's a there's a recipe on our website on uh, primaledgehealth.com. There's it's basically um, it's broccoli muffins. So it sounds disgusting, <laughs> but these muffins they're made with coconut flour, eggs, spices, and you can use cheese and jalapenos and stuff like that. But then you also use broccoli, and you food process the broccoli, and it it has this like amazing sweetness to it too that you don't even expect, and they taste great, and you wouldn't know that they were healthy. You know, I mean, it's like they're it takes practice, it takes time, it takes energy, and it takes a lot of effort. But in the end, and it's not even in the end, like like after a few days, most people who just, you know, just through cutting out grains, cutting out refined carbohydrates and refined processed foods, they feel amazing. They feel better. So I think I think it's a great idea. I think I'm a great both cook go too, for it. So yeah, you'll, yeah, it'll be, you'll be good at it. So hey, so, Ross, so if wanna... you send the meal plan over, then I'm going to wait till like summer's over. Because, yeah. And then when we get into fall or early winter, then I'll hammer down and try it for two months. Okay. And then maybe I can end up being a success yeah. story. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, dude, give it, give it at least eight weeks when you try it. If you hate it after eight weeks, you hate it. Now, one of the most important things, though, when you're doing a ketogenic diet, first of all, you got to make sure you're getting sufficient. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, now the snacking, well, it, it all depends on the context, right? If fat loss is the goal, then we want to not snack, but it, it, it's all about context. So keto usually makes it really easy not to snack because you're just not hungry in between meals because you have stable blood sugar all day. Um, so that's a benefit of it too. But yeah, I mean like macadamia nuts, um, almonds, walnuts, hazelnuts, uh, pumpkin seeds. Like my, my wife made these. She's right here. She wants, you want to say hi? Hey. hey. So Jessica made. <laughs> so nuts are all game on. That's cool. No, not all. I don't think all nuts. Well, you know, I mean, like cashews can be a little sweeter. Um, you, essentially, you want to keep your carbohydrates below 30 grams net carbs per day, especially when you're starting out. So nuts, for the most part, are really low in carbs. Some of them are sweeter. Um, protein, you want to make sure you're getting sufficient protein. Usually that's like 1.6 grams per kilogram of your body weight or your lean body weight. So like your, your fat free mass and then fats will make up the rest of the diet. Now, if fat loss is the goal. You don't need to guzzle down hundreds of grams of fat every day. Like, you know, a ketogenic diet doesn't need to be about just throwing butter down the hatch. And unfortunately that's what makes some of the marketers have made it look like, like it's just you eat sticks of butter and you lose weight. Uh, it's not that simple. Um, fat is the energy source, right? So if you're doing keto for fat loss, part of that energy that you're using, you want it to come from body fat. 
So in the beginning, it's fine to eat way more fats than you need if you're just getting adapted to it, right? Because when you cut out the sugar, you cut out the carbs, your body's like, what the hell are you doing to me? Right? Like you've, I thought it was summer always. What the hell are you doing to me right now? And it revolts. It tells you, give me the freaking carbs. Give me something sweet. (laughs) Um, After about a day or two, you deplete your glycogen stores. Two or three days, the cravings usually start to subside. Um, After your hunger drops down, which usually is about in a week or so, people's hunger is usually so low that my clients will tell me, dude, I can't eat all this food that that you're telling me to eat. I can't do it. At that point, what you do is you put less fat on the plate and you start burning more body fat. And it really is one of the easiest ways to eat less food. Mm. Like it's just, you know, it doesn't make it so that you can eat as much fat as you want and like not get fat. Um, I wish it was that way. Can you do that though and still stay stay in ketosis? Because I'm less worried about losing weight than I am about... Yeah, just general health and seeing how it makes healthy? me feel. Yeah, you're not trying to lose weight, then you eat fats, man. I mean, like you eat fat regardless, right? Like fats, the energy source on a ketogenic diet. So, yeah, if you're not if you're not concerned with fat loss and you're not doing keto for fat loss, then yeah, like you know, you're probably going to want to eat, you know, depending on your size, like 180 to 200 grams of fat a day. Um, I like it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's actually a relatively simple process to get adapted to. Um, the most important thing, though, uh, you guys should remember when you're doing it. Um, so the macros are important, right? Making sure you're getting enough protein, about 1.6 grams per kilogram is usually what I recommend. Um, carbs, keeping them low, about 30 grams net carb, right? So you're not counting fiber. Net carbs is like total carbohydrate minus total fiber, and that'll give you your, your net carbohydrate. Because fiber is indigestible. It's just there for gut bacteria to feed on, and it's good, but it's not an energy source. Um, So yeah, you keep those carbs low. (laughs) Yeah, a lot. (laughs) You keep those carbs low, and um, yeah, you'll get into ketosis. But the the really important caveat that many people forget is the electrolytes. So there's something that happens when you cut out carbohydrates. Your body will secrete sodium magnesium and potassium as you lose water weight and inflammation insulin makes us hold on to water absence of insulin tells the kidneys to excrete the water your kidneys will excrete extra sodium especially in the beginning so you want to make sure you're salting your food liberally and getting loads of sodium in most people need at least seven five to seven thousand milligrams of sodium a day so that's like a couple teaspoons of salt um so salting your food liberally is really important. And then getting magnesium and potassium in is also important. So those are the three electrolytes, sodium, magnesium, and potassium. Got to get those in in sufficient quantities on keto. I usually recommend taking magnesium supplement, like the only supplement that I usually recommend to clients. Magnesium, because most of our food is depleted of it and depleted of minerals. But um, yeah, as long as you get enough salt, take some magnesium about 400 milligrams, two times daily of magnesium glycinate is usually what I use. Um, And then potassium you can get from diet, from foods like avocados, salmon, pumpkin seeds, um, meats and fish. They all have potassium in it. Avocado might be the best source of potassium. So you get potassium from foods, magnesium from a supplement and from foods, leafy green vegetables. And uh, you salt the crap out of your food and you'll be good. Now, when people adjust to keto, usually the biggest mistake they make 
is just forgetting to get the electrolytes in or not understanding how important they are. And what they'll go through usually is they'll have like headaches and leg cramps, heart palpitations, stuff like that. Those are all just symptoms of magnesium, I'm sorry, of electrolyte depletion. So you keep the electrolytes up and you'll be good. So, so best get more salt. Best to use non-table salt, like non-refined salt, like uh, Himalayan salt or or sea salt and stuff. Yeah, like right. that. so that's yeah. You're you've, you've been paying attention. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, no Darren I, 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 Darren and I had this. I have Himalayan like, salt. Okay. okay, good. We had this big argument about the differences between salt. So I I'm still say to, that. Yeah, genetically, there's no difference. <laughs> Okay, well, there's sodium chloride. There's no difference between sodium chloride in Himalayan salt or sodium chloride in Morton salt. Uh, but so sea salt has lots of cofactors and loads of other minerals in there with it. Himalayan salt in particular has a little bit more potassium and some other things. I think uh, Himalayan salt's fine. It's not, I think it's overmarketed though. Yeah, like, totally, totally. I, I, I like bursting bubbles. Uh, but um, I think the, uh, I, I, I when you look, all right, so I was involved in importing and exporting, still do it sometimes, but uh, um, before I started Primal Edge Health and started doing, you know, started publishing, putting out content online, stuff like that, I was involved in importing and exporting high-end foods from niche markets, and Himalayan pink salt is one of those foods that's really big in, like, the superfood world, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's really nothing special. It's all coming from China. They call it Himalayan salt, but it's Chinese. It's all from China because uh, they own the Himalayas. Um, so it comes from China. It's all mined from one area that's got massive amounts of it. And when you buy it in bulk from China, it costs less than five cents a pound. Wow, because I always so think it's rare. It, I always think buy a crate of it. Because I always <laughs> worry that it's rare and we're going to run out. Mm-mm. No, all right, so dude, salt's amazing. All right, so <laughs> South America's got some amazing salt flats too. So Bolivia's got pink salt that's just as good as the Himalayan salt. Um, there's some salt mines. It's like, what's it, Redmond Real Salt or something like that from, uh, I think, somewhere in Montana. Uh, there, there are a lot of different salts that are great. And sea salt's a good option as well. I know some people are freaked out about Fukushima and stuff like that, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, unrefined salt is the way to go. And I kind of prefer to use like a mix of, if you're going to use, if you use Himalayan salt, I usually suggest mixing it in with sea salt as well, just because, and I, I haven't seen any substantial proof of this, but I've heard people, there's some people who claim that Himalayan salt is really not very good. They just say that it's like got a lot of dead minerals in it. I don't know if that's true. What I, I mean, that's just, so just to be safe, I think it's good to mix up and use different types of salt and not just stick to it. So so what about what about through all your all your research and all your coaching as well, uh dealing with chronic issues? Like Darren Darren's wife and my girlfriend both have had like migraine problems and my girlfriend's going through like really my bad, wife, really bad really bad stomach oh, stuff man. and IBS, like IBS and I also wanted to talk about my doctor's appointment recently about my kidneys, so but I guess start okay, with the migraines yeah, so and IBS. For sure, man. Well, look, IBS is huge nowadays, man. I When I was growing up, I mean, I, how many rounds of, and I can't tell you how many rounds of antibiotics I was on. Um, you know, we've got you know, vaccine injuries, you've got glyphosate, um, gluten intolerance and stuff like that. We've got a lot of issues going on in the guts these days. And cutting out, unre cutting out the refined carbohydrates, cutting out the processed sugar, um, 
it can be really, really good for for those situations. But um, there's no magic bullet for like all gut issues, right? You know, there's there's hundreds of different bacteria that can colonize the gut. If certain bacteria get out of balance, they can cause major disruptions. Um, so gut issues are usually kind of a a gradual thing, right? Like rather than just um, you know, blasting it with antibiotics and completely wiping it out and then trying to repopulate, which usually doesn't work that well. Um, I think for gut issues, I've at least I've found in my life that eliminating foods that bother the body, it should be like the first step, right? Pulling out the crap that makes you inflamed is step one. If you eat a food and you know that every time you eat that food, it sends you run into the bathroom or makes you constipated, um, then avoid the food. Like there's common sense. It's but, um, really hard to tell. But then after that, it's... It's super hard, right? To be able to know like what's going on, but stress can also play a huge role in the gut. So it's like food is big, but also stress mm. can be even bigger. So I mean, deep breathing can stimulate the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is actually they they call it the the gut brain axis, and it goes directly to it's it's a direct link to the brain, direct link between the gut and the brain. And deep breathing, diaphragmatic breathing activates and tones the vagus nerve, which actually improves digestion and all that. So, you know, reducing stress is probably the number one thing that somebody can do with IBS, hmm. stress reduction. Um, after that, removing the foods that are offensive. So usually like lectins, um, potato, lectins are plant toxins that are there to protect the plant from being eaten by predators like us. Um, when our immune systems aren't working properly, when we have gut issues, gut permeability or inflammation, sometimes those medicinal compounds, um, in the plants, like, um, I don't know, there's certain compounds in broccoli and stuff like that, sulforaphane that trigger these gene expressions because the plant toxins are not good for us. Then our body reacts by throwing out antioxidants or throwing out, or just there's there's certain reactions that happen in the body that are beneficial to the immune system from these plant toxins. Like vitamin C in and of itself is not good for you. It's the reaction in your body when it discovers that vitamin C that is actually good for you. So um, avoiding those plant toxins. Defenseless plants. Yeah, well, the problem is the doctors don't, the, they can't figure this out either, right? Like the, the problem is you go back and forth from the doctors and they don't they really don't know what to do, right? It's... it's uh, yeah. It's a real challenge. I mean, my dad no, had insane. my dad had IBS until he got operated on, and they realized he was full of cancer in there. Like it's uh, it's it's weird. So, but it took him years to figure it out, and then they ended up operating on him. But anyways, well, uh, yeah. I mean, he was just yeah. Okay, go ahead. What was it? What about the migraines? Then is it similar similar type thing? Because uh, you know, like let's say keto is is good. Like you were talking about the neural protection. Does that help? Because the vagus nerve is yeah. connected with migraines as well, right? Yep. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> all right. So another strategy for IBS that I've seen be really beneficial is uh, deep breathing. Um, like, have you heard of that guy, Wim Hof? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy Dutch guy. Yeah. All right. So that guy's little breathing technique, I've seen it be very beneficial for people's immune system um, and and reducing stress. So just to go back to, but uh, migraines, my, Jessica, you want to come talk about migraines? All right, so Jessica used to have debilitating migraines. Like when we first got together, I'd never been around somebody who had migraines like that before. 
Remember, you used to just like lay in bed and your your face would get all pale and your jaw would get all tight. And here's here's my wife, Jessica. Yeah, it's hard to forget those days. <laughs> so, so Graham's wife sometimes get. Da- da- yeah, Darren's Darren's wife and and my girlfriend both have migraine issues. They're different types of migraines, I believe. Like Darren's wife has uh, less frequent, like, like really debilitating, and yeah. then my girlfriend used to have really chronic, like almost everyday migraines. But uh, they stopped quite a bit after she got a daith a daith ear piercing. Actually, helped her with a lot of hers, but she still gets she still gets headaches. Wow. You said an ear piercing? Yeah, the daith the daith piercing. Actually, like for like a year she went pretty much she hasn't had the same type of migraine since she got that that special uh daith piercing. It's really weird. That's and the the piercing is meant to solve this? No, it's it's not meant to, but there's a bunch of people that have noticed migraines gone going away since they did it and so I was like, Well let's go try it. So she she heard about it and then she tried it and it actually worked. And it's 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 something to do with wow. uh the nerve, I think. I don't, I don't, actually, I don't even know what it's to do with, but it, it worked. Yeah. That's amazing, right? Like how everything in the body is connected. Like the, the, the whole acupressure and acupuncture thing. It sounds I mean, like it's a, a very extreme acupressure. Yeah. 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 That's fascinating. You know, the, the indigenous, like here, the um, you know pre-conquest people who lived here used to just mutilate the shit out of themselves. They'd like they'd, their ears, they would wear these huge hoops in their ears and then wear these like gold pieces under their nose and just all kinds of augmentations to their, to their skulls and their heads. I they wonder. didn't have metals though, right? In the ears, it was copper and silver. And copper, gold. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah. So you used to get migraines. You want to talk a little bit about like what helped you or do you remember even? Yeah. I mean, I don't think changing my lifestyle helped me. Right, which is like very specific for my for my own self. It's it's hard to make a prescription for other people. Like we're crazy. Yeah. We changed yeah. our lifestyle by selling everything we had and moving to Ecuador. Um, like. <laughs> that, but that was part of it. I mean, at the time when I was getting migraines, um, I wasn't conscious about the amount of water that I was taking, so I was likely very dehydrated. Um, wasn't on a very regular sleep schedule. Um, didn't, I was on a lot of, on birth control for, for a long time. Um, I had a bit of candida yeast overgrowth, you know? So, I mean, there's, there's, we were eating a lot of, we're drinking a lot of alcohol and, uh, eating a lot of refined sugars, a lot of processed What I remember was there was a big shift. Like, so we, we made a lot of changes and then eventually we started doing keto. Yeah. I remember when you started doing keto, your migraines had already gone down a significant amount, but then yeah. you said something to me like, like you thought it really made a difference. I do think it's made a difference and it's made, it's made a, I want to say like a sustainable difference, you know, where I don't, I don't even think about it anymore, to be honest. Um, I think salts and electrolytes have, have a role to play. I think getting adequate intake of magnesium is, um, is very profound for me for, for both digestion and, uh, just like pain-free, no headaches. If I feel a headache coming on, I mean, maybe once every like six months or something, I'll feel a little. And it's just a headache too. It's not. It's not a migraine or anything. Her migraines. You she used to like moan. Like she lay in bed <laughs> and I would freak out because I'm like, <laughs> I'm a wuss. I don't like when people that I love are sick. I can't handle it. Um, yeah, that, that freaked me out when she used to get those migraines. And I haven't seen her have one of these and. She definitely hasn't had one in the last three years, but I don't remember the last the last time she had one. But check this out. I just found a study 
I mean, just a quick Google search and, uh, and the voice of the gods has spoken. The voice of science says that ketones kill migraines. So, <laughs> I remember, I think I actually talked about this on the channel before. I'd seen some of this information, but they did a study and uh, 2013 ketogenic diet was found to reduce migraine frequency in 90% of wow. patients. Wow. <laughs> that's sick, right? 90% of people? Wow. I'll have to try that. So out. yeah, I mean I I'd say that there's a good chance that she might your your ladies might fit into that ninety percent. <laughs> I'd give it a try. Yeah. It's definitely worth a shot. The problem is, and I know I know at least my girlfriend for sure, that her comfort food is, you know, like it's it's uh it's probably grain based, right? Like lately we've been trying to to just mm-hmm. shift away from that, both of us actually. Um yeah. but yeah, that's that's part of the the problem is you get in that cycle where you feel comfortable with the food that's not healthy for you. So, for sure, but that's just the food that you know about. You know, it only takes 21 yes, days exactly. to ingrain a new habit, right? Exactly, yeah. So it's like you'll be totally comfortable not eating that food in 21 days if you mm. put your mind to it and you say, baby, let's do this. We're going. So, I mean, if you guys do it, um, really – you can still bake stuff. You can still have bready type foods mm-hmm. and really enjoyable, palatable foods, and um, and do it. But it, it just takes a few times, a few, or, I'm sorry, a few weeks of habit formation. And it's like I think one of the best ways to start is start out with a nice breakfast. Have a breakfast of at least about 30 grams of protein. Um, you know, 30 to 40 grams of protein for you, maybe 40 for your wife, like 30 or 25 grams. Um, but a decent amount of protein a decent amount of fats, so maybe like 40 to 60 grams of fat, and a bunch of veggies. And you fill up on that breakfast. You know, you have you could have eggs and bacon if you want with some vegetables. Or you can have, um, I, I don't know, I really, like, um, I really like omelets because Jessica makes them for me. Then you can throw a bunch of omelets. stuff in there, right? Or, then you can throw a bunch of stuff in there. That's kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's like a soup. You just throw shit in. So you have like Practice three eggs. You start putting <laughs> herbs. And you can sprinkle bread in there. No, I'm just kidding. But um, you can add sausage. You can add, you know, like leftover vegetables. You have like three different types of cheeses in there if you want. That's what I, this week I was just doing like goat cheese omelets and I would add leftovers from whatever we had the night before. So if we had like swordfish or sausage or something like that, I would just add that into my omelet. Um but like bulk preparing vegetables and bulk preparing certain foods is a really good idea too to have them on hand. And uh, but it's just basically it's like you throw away the stuff you don't want to eat anymore, and you start finding the things you do want to eat, and you keep those in abundance in your house. You just always have avocados, eggs, meat, lamb, salmon. It becomes um, a very celebratory process. You know, we don't ever think that we're depriving ourselves of anything. We don't feel like we're missing out on anything. We have so much and they're all of our favorite foods. I, I the program is more like the, the way we've programmed ourselves is more like if we're not eating healthy, then we feel like we're missing out. Right. Cause it's yeah. like, we've kind of gone through this weird journey of being, I don't know. Both of us were kind of unhealthy when we got together. Oh, extraordinarily. Like, so. <laughs> there's no video to share, but I could show you some like just funny pictures of when I was like 21, 22 years old when we met. And um, yeah, I mean, we were just treated. I treated myself like shit. I thought when I was we invincible. Kids, we didn't know how to take care of ourselves. I thought I was invincible, and I didn't know what the what I was supposed to eat. Too, you're right. I think that's a big problem in society, right? It's like we grow up, we go to school. Um, we're used to. It's like we we were not really taught how to feed and nourish ourselves. Right? Yeah. We're taught how to drug ourselves with food 
and the marketing and all this stuff kind of works against our health in many ways. But um, yeah, if we learn how to nourish ourselves and we learn what makes us feel good and we learn the foods that don't leave us inflamed and don't you know mess us up, um, and we just focus on nutrient-dense whole foods that are unrefined, that taste great, then things kind of seem to click into place, at least yeah, yeah. for most good foundation anyways what about some other little, little biohacks like i've been playing around with a bunch of different things like if you're if i was to read off a list to you like is there any that stands out as being really important like for example you know sun water like clean water you know cold thermogenesis yeah. or extreme heat or exercise and yoga like you mentioned deep breathing already you know extra yeah. like supplements or even um you know like we talked about fasting already or you know, dry skin brushing. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of like little tricks. Like, is there anything that you, <laughs> you just named? You just named so many good things, man. I mean, like, so you mentioned cold thermogenesis and heat exposure, right? So that activates loads of genes that fight cancer, that actually uh, reduce inflammation. There's all kinds of cool effects that happen when you um, when you expose yourself to extreme hot or extreme cold. The body responds to those stressors by strengthening itself so yeah it's fantastic man you know resistance training is always a good thing maintaining lean muscle mass bone mineral density um sunshine i know to me like i've to me i've i've been obsessed with like just sunbathing since i was like 20 years old or like yeah i think it was like 20 when uh i lived in this apartment when i was going to college and there was a pool out there and um i don't know i just started like going and laying out in the sun like all the time and i f- and i would get like i don't know i just it was like a drug almost like i would it would regulate my mood if i was in a shitty mood and i looked outside and it was sunny and i went outside for 10 minutes in the sun like i would feel better instantly um so i don't know i'm i'm really into sunbathing i'm a huge <laughs> proponent of sunshine on the bare skin avoidance of sunscreen stuff like that you know putting toxic aluminum on our skin um very bad uh, so yeah I mean, sun exposure uh, cold exposure heat exposure occasional fasting um all of these are fantastic strategies we got a dry brush too you mentioned dry brushing we got one of those what else what else do we like i mean with most of these things you can't do everything all the time right so it's kind of like you find certain things that you like doing. Like I like doing saunas. Um, I can't do it every day because I'll get depleted. But you know, it's like cycling those in, getting in the cold rivers and stuff like that. Um, all of these things are just as important as diet, right? I think a well balanced lifestyle will have us frequently outside in the sun, um, exposed to natural bodies of water. Um, so yeah, I think just living a life that's getting outdoors as often as possible, um, getting out in the fresh air and the sun and getting in places where there's no cell phone service, you know, just for your sanity can be yeah. really good. Yeah. Jessica, do you want to mention a bit about your, your book? I no. think you guys, should, you guys should plug um, your book a little bit. Cause I, who sells that. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier for me to sell it. Oh, because I, I just love Jessica so much. Aww. I can just praise her all day. <laughs> praise her book. Um, it's uh, it's what like 140 recipes or so, um, all based on healthy or whole food or ingredients. Uh, it's really the book that I wrote for myself, 
And then it kind of morphed into this really cool project that we are now able to offer our audience. It's basically like our family keto cookbook. Like she, during our whole first like three years, she was just documenting all these recipes. She's had stacks and stacks of them and she was experimenting with lots of them and refining them. And she, uh, yeah, you know, she, she really did a nice little number on that and we call it a training manual, right? So we call it the ketogenic edge cookbook, a training manual for low carbohydrate, ketogenic and paleo cuisine. Um, lots of words in there, but we do call it a training manual, not just because it's like, not just because we thought that that would be like clever to say, uh, but it legitimately is a training manual. Just we, we wanted to teach people how to just prepare nutrient dense whole foods and- from scratch with simple ingredients. I mean, we use a lot of herbs and spices to flavor our foods. Um, we use a lot of just whole protein sources. I mean, there's fish, there's seafood, there's uh, different types of meats. We ha- we included an organ meat section um, as a as a way to hopefully bridge people's interest into um, very nutrient-dense recipes. Using the parts of the animals that have the most nutrition, like the liver and the heart. You know, I mean, when you look at apex predators, that when they make a kill, when a wolf makes a kill, they eat the liver. I remember that scene in uh, with, with uh, little Leonardo. Leo DiCaprio. Um, oh, what was that movie? I didn't, watch, I didn't watch that movie, but I skied in those mountains. Wow. Nice. You guys, you should, that's a, it was a good movie. Despite like his obnoxious, pretentious uh, public statements, that was a great movie. But um, yeah, he was starving in one scene in the movie. He comes upon the guy that just killed a buffalo and the dude throws him the liver and he just takes a big bite of the raw liver. Um, oh, that's, is that the one I'm saying you have to do that? That recipe is in the cookbook. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one where he gets mauled by the bear. Yeah. yeah, that is. That's worth watching just for that scene. <laughs> yes, and there was there the the opening scene too with the battle with the Indians, and they're like, like jumping out of the trees and stuff, and like the way that it shot, so beautiful. That was I a dare good you, sir. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, the most parts, the most nutrient parts of the animal usually get overlooked in our modern society, right? Which also makes them the most like more economical. Hmm. So yeah. if you're on a budget, there are options. Yeah. Add in. Liver and heart can be really economic. It must, Economical. It must be weird for you guys being uh, being into this for so long. Like we've really, I mean, the keto thing has really taken off in the last two or three years, but you guys have been at this for way before that. It must be weird to see this huge uh, acceleration in this type of eating. It's crazy. It's grown a lot. It's yeah. super crazy. And I'm like, I'm like a, I'm like the original hipster, right? It's like, I'm <laughs> Once things start getting popular, I think they're super lame. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm glad that the uh, the popularity of uh, of keto is skyrocketing now. You know, it's not not just because like we've been putting out content about it for so long and it's our niche, but I think it's a really cool tool that people can use, and I think it's a really important thing now that people start considering the way we would be eating, or that. We, <laughs> Considering our ancestral diets, right? Like considering like the conditions that we um, developed in, and leveraging, you know, our environment to try and give us an optimal diet is really important. You know, it's like the domestication of grains, the domestication of animals, and the domestication of people all go hand in hand. Um, 
You know, and you get people on a domesticated diet and they'll be dumb and domesticated. <laughs> We're all about empowering people. You know, we want people to feel alive, happy, and vibrant. And, you know, through arranging the diet in certain ways, there's many different ways to do it, not just what we teach, right? There's a million different ways. Um, but arranging the diet in a healthy way that's just, I don't know, it can, <laughs> can have amazing effects on everyone around us, right? It's like we're happier if we're less grumpy or not getting hangry all the time. Um, it's just people around us can enjoy life more. And um, that's kind of what I see diet as. It's a bridge to having more life. And that's what we want. We just want more life. Like we don't want more nonsense. We don't want more, you know, we don't want more, uh, like there's no point in getting healthy if like you have, well, and it never feels good either to feel like your food has power over you. You know, I find a lot of inspiration in people who pursue certain things in their life where they have more autonomy over themselves and they gain greater control over their self and over their thoughts and over their behaviors. And what Tristan's saying is that that all ripples out from within us. Yeah, that's a good and point. And keto is a tool for that. Yeah, that's what I was trying yeah, to get at with fasting as well, because that's what that's what I feel like when I when I try that couple. I try to fast for just a couple of days, and it was amazing the power that the food had over me, and I wasn't even hungry. I wasn't even necessarily hungry, but I yeah. that habit of eating was there. Yeah, I've long term fasting can be so can just be so profound, man. I mean, you can long term fasting can be more profound than any. Uh, I don't even, I don't like this word, but like psychedelic, um, you know, experience that one can have. Um, I, I don't like the word entheogenic either. I don't like any of those words, but I mean, uh, fasting, I mean, a really deep fast can be so, so profound. You, you start to feel things around you, right? Like you start to, you start to feel energy in a different way. You start to feel energy flowing through your body in a different way. And you get very much in tune with all the different levels of your being when you get into that state. Um, and it, it's powerful. And there's a reason why every spiritual tradition in the history of mankind has included fasting in some way, shape, or form as a way to come closer to the truth, to heal, and to come closer to knowledge and revelation of the divine realms. So I think, um, yeah, fasting is fantastic. Yeah, well said. But I... Yeah. I don't, I don't think people should do it for aesthetic purposes, though. Um, just, That's just a just good throw side that out there. Like you're trying to, yeah, you're trying to lose weight. Don't fast. That's just silly. If you're trying to grow as a person and figure out why you're so annoying to yourself and screwed up, then <laughs> fasting might be an awesome thing. Bingo, bango. Right on. Is there anything you want to mention before we wrap it up uh, about your site or about your coaching or anything else? Uh, yeah, I mean, you find our stuff at Primal Edge Health, um, PrimalEdgeHealth.com. If uh, yeah, we got we got a YouTube channel. We do a lot of, we try to do live hangouts often, or at least I do. I haven't done one in a couple weeks though because I've been so busy with other stuff. But um, yeah, PrimalEdgeHealth.com. We got a YouTube channel. We have a Facebook page, but I don't, I don't know. I'm yeah. trying. To, I want to phase that out. Exactly. Good, I, I'm so sick. Of good it. idea. It's so it's annoying. So what about, um, dude, I get on like, I'll, <laughs> I'll get on Facebook just to like, just to do some work and I'll end up scrolling down the news feed and I'll just get annoyed. It sucks. <laughs> so what about, um, if people want to know when your hangouts happen is the best way to get to your website and sign up to the newsletter and then you get email, re, um, email notifications. 
Totally, totally. Yeah. So if you go to primaledgehealth.com, I try to send out an email notification before I do the uh, the live streams. But then there's also this thing on YouTube. What is it called? Yeah, I'm like the worst. I can't freaking promote my own shit. All right. <laughs> there's a thing on YouTube where you can make notifications when people have events and stuff like that. So if you turn notifications on on YouTube, somehow <laughs> you can find out how to find us there. But yeah, go to primaledgehealth.com if you want to know when we're doing a live event. Sign up for a newsletter. I'll send you out an email before we do it. And um, The newsletter's nice because we also send out recipes yeah. and little updates about what's going on with us, too. Okay, good. And, and you're, you're, um, I like how you put your YouTubes uh, and your live hangouts on podcasts. That's super important to me that I can <laughs> digest it in that way instead of having to go to YouTube. So that's a that's good, uh, good way to, yes. to get your stuff as well. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. We're we're going to make sure to to keep doing that because I, yeah, Jessica usually does it. And I think she asked me the other day if she should keep doing it. Oh and my I was God. like, ah. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> <But> just, be- <laughs> just for you. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, no, we really appreciate it. We're going to, we're going to make sure to put them all out on, uh, on that. And sometimes what I do is I'll take the videos that I've made and just put it in an audio format and release it as podcast as well. Cause usually the visual is like, inconsequential it's just like me blabbering in front of a camera like in my yard half naked like just hanging out of my house so I don't, the the audio is the most important part so we're gonna do that excellent in honor of grim america good thanks 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 guys and i'll try the keto thing this winter yeah oh so yeah don't forget to send me the meal planner and i'll try it i'll yeah. try it out yeah yeah don't forget to remember this winter <laughs> <laughs> right on guys well thanks for coming I'm, on the I'm show glad that, uh, yeah, it's been really nice. Thanks for having me on. It's it's cool. I uh, yeah, no, I really like what you guys are doing. You guys have awesome guests on, and um, you seem like fun guys. I've never seen you, but if you guys ever want to come down to South America, if you guys ever find yourselves, um, you know, with itchy feet, and you come down to Ecuador, give me a call. Definitely, man. I feel like I feel like I need to go down there at some point here. I've never been Grambo. Never been to Central or South America yet, so. Ecuador is really easy to travel in. If you're from Canada or America, you get a three-month visa immediately when you fly into the country. Um, now, JetBlue flies from, uh, what's it called, from Miami. Fort Lauderdale. Oh, yeah, Fort Lauderdale to Ecuador, round trip for 300 bucks. So, yeah, it's a, nice, it's a viable trip. Good place to see. You got the Andes, you got the jungle, you got the coast. It's all real nice. And you got us crazies up here. Right on. Well, thanks for all the good. We'll stop by and do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for all the good work you guys do too. I like how you put everything in context, and you, you know, you answer lots of good questions um, live. You know, it's uh, it's really good, good uh, non dogmatic information. I like it. I try. I try. I think you guys would like the episode I did. I did one recently. I think it was called "Is the American Heart Association a Terrorist Organization?" (laughs) You guys would like that. Probably is. There was a few. uh, Yes. (laughs) I, I listen. Yes. I listen to Confirm. it. It's good. Yeah. Well, they're, they're the ones that are pushing all that that bullshit about. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can you believe? Yeah. You mentioned that on your show there, uh, Tristan. And you know they're they're pushing yeah. margarine over yeah. butter for crying out loud. Yeah, vegetables, and the, I mean, it's the whole thing is absurd. I mean, it's backwards. It's ridiculous, and the fact that people even take what these organizations uh, say seriously anymore is part of the issue. So we got to kind of just remove. These uh, gotta remove the talons of all this nonsense from our flesh and uh, 
and just take care of ourselves internally, externally, take care of the body, take care of the mind and question the dogma. So, um, yeah, that's what we try to do on the channel. We appreciate you guys having us on and, um, yeah, you can find more at primaledgehealth.com, uh, or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook if you want to go that route. But everybody I prefer go the and website. Subscribe. Right on. Thanks a lot, I guys. No problem. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Ciao for now. That's my new call saying. Ciao for now. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks, so, guys. Thanks, yeah. Tristan and Jessica. Yeah, big thanks for coming on the show. I I'm, tried out. I'm inspired to to follow. Like I'll do it too. I will. I mean, I've cut out weed already. Like, and it was good to do that before the show in a way. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm inspired to do that. Now we can make it a competition. I, really, I do better in a competitive atmosphere. Yeah, I know. When I bring donuts, well, how'd you, to work you quit in the morning, smoking though? Like, how'd you leave. do that without competitive? My kids are bugging me. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Spoiled little. So if I get if I get your kids to say keto keto. <laughs> Well, I'm inspired to try it for my wife and see if it can, you know, help the migraines. Help Did you hear that study, man, about yeah. migraines? We've already been discussing it, kind of. I was trying to get the info out of Adam, but um, he sent me something, but it just wasn't like uh, I'm a lazy person. Right. I wasn't looking to go through some web pages <laughs> and everything like that, and I just wanted like a package deal, like he just laid out there. Well, that's the, that's the now book. he's going to send me a meal planner. I mean, that's really what I need. Yeah. Is something to go by, eat this, 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 this yeah, for totally. a few weeks until you get the swing of it. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. So it's hard, man. When you go out, it's all over the place. Like That's it's right. really hard to eat, uh, eat without, well, even grain, just without grains to go out. It's, it's impossible. Everything's got a fucking bun or bread or whatever. Like. That's right. Big thanks to Tristan and Jessica. Check out their podcast. Check out their website. Uh, check out America.ca slash support. So you can check out all the ways we can keep having these great uh, informative chats not shut down by any coconut oil hating cartels <laughs> and uh, yeah sign up for monthly anywhere from a buck a month to 30 bucks a month uh, if you don't like what's there let me know i can send you something anywhere in between uh one time donation of course that's all going to get you access to the black budget support stream which gets a couple extra episodes a month and uh yeah there's a six or seven or actually by the time this comes out there's probably eight nine episodes in there so check that shit out Thanks to you guys. Do you support the show? Keep the uh, wheels turning. Anything else? That's it, buddy. Spam gram, share the show, review the show, tell your friends about this motherfucker. Yeah, throw some reviews on iTunes. That always helps. Yeah. yeah. I'm less concerned with reviews as I am about sharing the show because you guys are the only guys who can grow the show. Yep. So please do. That's all. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. They threw me to the wolves. Playing a game, ganging up on me, my game's no rules. But you can't face me, cause I'm crazy. Grooving to the tambourine, riding in my Lamborghini, eating on some tangerine. Clean clothes, 
Rubbing elbows with who knows, maybe some hobos I'm on the train tracks, walking that same path Grooving to the tambourine Riding in my limousine Eating on some jelly beans If they make you laugh, if they make 